0: weirdos like zone healers or fucking right. freaks who are doing strange things that really relies on someone believing in it. Mm-hmm. And if someone does believe in it, then the placebo effect does kind of has some effect, but you don't want to rely on that fucking no. thing. It's nice to know that there's actually some shit going on, not just, you know, I think I feel it, yeah. I think. Right. The, the big one for me has always been forming sentences, because obviously I talk for a living. Mm-hmm. I talk for a living, form sentences for a living, and my ability to recall words and to pull words up instantaneously is critical. When dealing with hecklers at a comedy club, when recalling material, when recalling techniques or going over techniques during a UFC card, when you know trying to reference
1: something during a podcast, like that's so giant, yeah. man. For most people. For everything, when you're talking to a girl, when you're in a business yeah. meeting, when you're in an interview, when you're just out hanging out, it's nice to be able to not go, oh, yeah. you know, and have to think about that. Well, those, th- those dull moments,
0: you know, we've all had those dull moments when you just woke up, when someone's talking to you on the phone, and you're, um, you know, it's that thing. Like <laughs> right. I do those fucking radio interviews sometimes, man. Uh, and a lot of times I have to do these radio tours, like start at like six o'clock in the morning when I wake up, like for UFCs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I have to call up all these different radio stations. And for the first 40 minutes, I'm a fucking moron, man. It's like it's so hard to fire up. And it's like that's one thing that's like it's so critical to highlight. Your brain is not at a static state. It's just not. It's Mm -hmm. constantly moving and flowing. And what things like Alpha Brain can do along with, of course, meditation, proper thinking techniques, how to manage your consciousness, managing your mind, they can get you or keep you. In a in a in a more positive frequency, in a yep. better a better vibration, a better a better RPM, you know, quicker RPM than you would be normally. A
1: better frequency for what you're trying to do. I mean, you're dragging yourself out of sleep, which is theta state, which is really low, and sometimes delta state if you're a really good sleeper, which is at the very bottom part of the frequency, and you're trying to drag yourself back out to that without. You know, and getting in the optimal frequency, it's tough. But, yeah, these things can, and we've shown it now with these studies, help get you in that optimal brainwave frequency, which is pretty rad. It's very exciting. And the Boston Center for Memory, mm-hmm. they they tried a bunch of different shit this year that didn't do anything. Yeah, this, so they Alpha Brain broke a streak of 14 straight clinical trials from both pharmaceuticals and nutraceuticals that showed zero results. So when they came back with the results, they were like... Pretty surprised and pretty stoked because they're used to just doing these trials and they report every single one. If it came back negative, they'd run the report and they're 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 pros. You know they're used to doing this. And uh, Alpha Brain broke that streak of 14 in a row that came back null results. So they were fired up, especially because this is an this is a product that has earth-grown nutrient ingredients, natural ingredients. So natural ingredients on a healthy population and statistical significance. You know really extremely rare according to them. Uh, from what they've seen, and so they're pretty fired up. Isn't
0: it hilarious that so many different things that we (coughs) consider uh, earth-grown nutrients, you know, natural ingredients, natural ingredients, you look upon like, what is that going to do? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like that's totally. like most of what you're putting in your body is supposed to be that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's literally the building blocks of your fucking cells. Is is, is vegetable matter, plant matter, protein, the earth-grown nutrients. That's what you're, you're made yeah, out. Yeah. How of. do we get
1: bigger? You know, how do we get <laughs> bigger? We
0: get bigger because we eat these things, and it becomes us. <laughs> you know. But it's funny that those things. I mean, especially um, not Alpha Brain, obviously, because it's not illegal. But fuck, if they had found out about it a long time ago, it probably would have been illegal. Sure. Cannabis uh, is uh, something that, of course, everyone that listens to this podcast knows pretty much how I feel about marijuana and how important I think it is for humanity. But it's really uh, it's hitting home with me right now because I have a good friend whose mom is stage four cancer. They took her off chemotherapy. They put her on uh, CBD oil. They put her on hemp oil. And um, I'm not suggesting anybody do this, by the way. If you know someone who's on cancer and you do, listen to your fucking doctor, okay? Do whatever your doctor tells you to do. However, I just want to tell you what is happening, my friend, because his mom, they pulled her off chemotherapy because they said she was too weak. They said, she can't do this anymore. So he's panicking. He's like, she's got a few months to live. He gets her on that hemp oil or Mm -hmm. the the cannabis oil. Yeah. Her tumor shrank 30% inside of a month. 30%. She sleeps every night where she couldn't sleep before. She eats all the time. Her appetite is back. She sleeps, her appetite is back, and her tumor has shrunk by 30 fucking percent inside of a month.
1: That's awesome. And it shows just how, like, improving things a little bit can start a positive cascade. Like, you improve just enough to sleep, and then the sleep starts improving things. And then once you sleep enough, you can eat more, and that starts improving things. So even if the cannabis was only a 10% increase, maybe that got her to sleep, and then maybe the sleep got her to eat. And then all of a sudden, it starts you know, GOING ON DOWN THE LINE AND MAKING A BIG IMPROVEMENT. YEAH, I MEAN, YOU CAN'T DISCOUNT ANY OF the, THE FACTORS, YOU KNOW,
0: EVEN THE CHEMOTHERAPY, ANY OF THE THINGS THAT SHE WAS DOING, BUT THE FACT THAT THE CANNABIS HELPED HER SO MUCH, HELPED HER SLEEP, HELPED HER EAT, AND THAT IN MOST STATES, EXCEPT FOR, WHAT, 18 NOW, IT'S ILLEGAL. AND IN COLORADO RIGHT NOW, THEY'RE TRYING TO GET PEOPLE TO uh, THE, the uh, SHERIFF'S DEPARTMENT AND SOME FORM OF uh, OTHER FORM OF POLICE DEPARTMENT. THEY'RE, they're TRYING TO SUE THE STATE. Because they said they're upholding uh, state and federal laws, and they're not allowed to uphold the federal law against marijuana. Why? Because their fucking arrests are down. <laughs> the arrests are down, they're yeah. panicking, they're gonna have to lay off cops. Their, their violent crime is down by like something like 15%. They have the lowest incidence of drunk driving they've ever had in the state. And they're making fuckloads of money off of tax dollars. Cannabis is taxed at 39% in Colorado. It's crazy. They're making so much money, they had to give some back, right? Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, we're going to start selling marijuana eventually. But right now, <laughs> we're selling alpha brains. So go to Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T, use the code word Rogan, and you'll save 10% off any and all supplements. Any, any other Onnit shit you could say before?
1: Oh, there's all kinds of cool on. shit going on, but yeah. we'll get on with the podcast. We got a lot of cool shit, including this stuff. What is this, matcha shit I'm drinking? Yeah, here? that That's matcha gorgeous. matcha chai latte. So a ton of turmeric in there, some matcha green tea, a lot of health benefits, real whole spice Chai matcha. It's a really good drink. Makes you feel like a hippie. Makes yeah. <laughs> you want to be around people that have incense and be like
0: some sort of macrame project going on in the background. <laughs> some some carpet that's weird. Mm-hmm. Weird weird earthy my, colors. My people! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down with a lot of hippies. Yeah. But just a few hippies would fucking ruin it for everybody else, yeah. though, right? Hippies that try too hard. God damn, they're like they're like the vegan
1: version of hippies.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, right. Like they're just overzealous. But that's with everything, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the MMA dudes that wear those fucking t-shirts on it, you know, with yeah. skulls that have bullet holes in them and, you know, strangling chickens. And- <laughs> like, it's always <laughs> some fucking guy who's taking it too far. Yeah,
1: instead of just being there showing. And yeah. as soon as you start
0: showing, then it's a problem. That's what it is with everything, though, right? I mean, pretty much with everything there is in this world. What am I looking for here? I'm looking for? I don't know. What? Should we cue the music? Yeah. Do we do that still? Yeah, we kind of do that still.
1: Yeah. Boom. Joe Rogan Broadcast. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train
0: by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. I'm really worried that I lost my wallet. <laughs> That's the worst. Is it feeling. out there? Yeah, go check out there, Jamie. See if you can find it out there. I don't think it is out there, though. I think it's. Uh, I think I left it on a table in a restaurant. It's very possible. <laughs> When you have kids, dude, you lose your fucking mind because you don't yeah. know what you're doing at any given time. You're always like, hey, don't eat that. Put that down. Don't stick your finger in there. That's electrical. <laughs> don't, don't chew on wires. Don't put that away. Don't get like the cars are coming. Get over here. Yeah, You're, like... you're wrangling. So I don't have a wallet right now. So hopefully somebody knows where it is. We'll find yeah. out. Jamie's taking too long because if it was out there, he would have found
1: it. We might be fucked. Well, you know. It's the worst feeling ever, but it all works out. The end. Yeah, the only problem is I feel
0: like I should do something about it before this restaurant closes. Nothing? Okay. Pause it. We're going to be right back. I'm going to check my truck real quick. Sorry. Panic. You worried about me? <laughs> Dad, isn't that funny, man? Like, some pieces of paper, some little cards you have in your wall that have your ID on them. Like, oh, no. What if I get pulled over? They're uh, going to take me to jail. I read a horrible story about a dude who's going to jail because he's a garbage man, and he was picking up the garbage before 7 a.m. So they gave him a citation. He goes in to deal with the citation, and I don't know what he did. He reached some agreement with the court or talked to someone who didn't understand the ramifications, and they fucking sentenced him to 30 days in jail. Oh, that's fair. That's, That's justice. And, you know, I, I watch people, like, defend it online. Well, he's picking up the garbage before people have a chance to put it out. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you think it's okay to put that guy in a cage? Yeah. You can put him in a cage. And apparently they're allowing him to work during the week, and he's going to serve us 30 days on weekends. So he's got a family, wife, kids, the so whole that's deal. It's like most of a year. Yeah. You know, 30 weekends out of the year. How fucking insane is that? That's How insane crazy. is that? Yeah. They're arresting this guy, putting him in jail... Because he picked up the garbage early. What a weird world we live in, man.
1: It is. I think we're going to look back at this time and we're just going to shake our head and think, we did some weird shit in this period. Just like we look back now, Mm -hmm. 50 years ago, 100 years ago. I mean, people were giving each other lobotomies back a long time ago. Yeah. Like, well, that's where they stick an ice pick in the corner of your eye and thrash <laughs> it around. Like, they don't that's, even know what they're they doing. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just trying to destroy shit, and that was like an approved therapy, along with electroshock and all this weird shit. You know, we'll look at some of the, you know, judicial system we have, and be like, what were we thinking? Yeah, well, do you remember um, there was um, a documentary on
0: Hunter S. Thompson, and uh, in the documentary, it was, uh, I forget who was supporting for president, but the vice president, it was a scandal. Like, as they were running for president, found out that he had gone through electroshock therapy. He'd gone through... He had had a few moments yeah. where shit didn't work out right <laughs> with his brain, and so they decided to juice this guy up with... I mean, what what is that about? That's like... The equivalent of smacking your TV when the you know when the reception's not coming in, just walk up yeah. to it and fucking smack it and it
1: works. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Such a crude instrument to use, too, you know. <laughs> it's just like full on. It's not like they're targeting anything, you know, like Dave Asprey might be doing now. I mean, he still may not know exactly what he's doing, but at least he has an idea of a goal that right. he's going for when he's zapping his brain. These guys was just like sticking a fork in the light socket. Well, they had a an episode of Radio
0: Lab about that stuff. trend you know, something dermal stimulation with Electricity. they're putting
1: electrodes on certain parts of your brain it was right. really fascinating yeah that's definitely a new frontier that could show a lot of promise but it's getting more exact mm-hmm. you know like yeah. the more you get from this crude version to the exact version that's where it's going to start showing promise
0: well that's what they were t- saying on the radio lab thing that they have a bunch of people that are essentially h- hackers that are creating their own home Remedies and they're attaching these things to them and you know sometimes they do it, and they lose their sense of smell You know like <laughs> you're juicing up weird parts of your brain all yeah. this, You know you see like weird things out of the corner of your eyes your right. feet go numb like you're just you're, you're p- applying Electricity to the yeah. outside of your head, but there's been Some things where they've shown like significant improvements including the ability to focus and the ability to learn tasks like they had this woman go through a sniper training thing she did it on the natch. She does it. She's terrible at it. She, you know, she's like this video game where the hostage situations, who do you shoot? And she's missing everybody. She gets like two out of you know, whatever the fuck the number was. She does it again. They strap these things to her head. She does the whole 20-minute course. She, it, it's over like, like that. And she goes, well, why was it over so quick? And they go, that was 20 minutes. And, and she goes, no, it wasn't. So they show her the time, like this was 20 minutes. She hits every target, 100% accuracy. And she's like, what in the actual fuck just happened? <laughs> like, they juiced her up with these electrodes and she became a fucking assassin.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if it was manipulating the brainwave frequency, like getting her into that alpha yeah. state zone, or whether it was, you know, prefrontal cortex blood flow, or there's a lot of different things they can do. But I think there's a lot of promise in that field. You know, it's it's a, it's a shortcut that we're starting to mm-hmm. learn. Well, we're, we're still,
0: you know, most people at least are still... WHITE BELTS IN HOW TO MANAGE THE MIND, YOU KNOW, WE'RE AMATEUR RACE CAR DRIVERS WITH THIS INSANELY COMPLICATED PIECE OF MACHINERY THAT MOST PEOPLE DON'T UNDERSTAND THE POTENTIAL OF AND THERE'S DIFFERENT STATES THAT YOU ACHIEVE ALMOST ACCIDENTALLY, right. YOU HAVE A COUPLE OF SHOTS, YOU'RE AT THE BAR, you can't, YOU'RE PLAYING POOL, YOU CAN'T FUCKING MISS, EVERYBODY'S BEEN THERE, YOU know, yeah. you THINK YOU'RE TOM Cruise. YOU LOOK AWAY, YOU FIRE THE BALL DEAD IN THE HEART OF THE POCKET, BUT TRY RECREATING THAT A FEW DAYS LATER AND IT'S GONE. You know, maybe even an hour from now, it's gone. Yeah, it's like
1: I, I think that's why the ancients used to blame it on the gods. It was like, yeah. ah, the gods are with me. Hermes was all holding my stick on the pool table. You know, <laughs> whatever they had, because it's so crazy. It's like you don't know when it's going to come. It's like you've been gifted by the divine. And with the with the ancients too, they only lived to be like twenty. <laughs> yeah. So
0: like. They had to like figure it out real quick. What was it? Gods, the gods have done this for us. Yeah. Okay, I I think I have cancer. See you guys later. (laughs) (laughs) And they were just fucking. Probably wasn't even cancer, right? They probably just.
1: The flu. Syphilis.
0: Yeah, something. that got all the ancients. Yeah, they got the VD, right? Who was the first dude to get VD? Who's that dirty bastard?
1: There had to be like a first guy. Yeah, you'd think, right? Unless it's just been around forever, just the bane of existence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's funny that there's like a specific
0: disease like nobody catches the flu from eating pussy You know what I mean? No. Like you get like specific
1: diseases from sex
0: sexually transmitted diseases. Although Michael
1: Douglas got that weird one from eating so much box where he got like throat cancer He says he didn't he says that, that was bullshit. <laughs> oh
0: Apparently, really? Yeah, yeah There was like but it coincided with his divorce. So I don't I'm not sure <laughs> if I buy it He might have been trying to sweet talk his way back into right Catherine Zeta Jones. What's her name? Uh-huh. That's her name. It's the one yeah, that didn't work out. So they got divorced.
1: So yeah. maybe it was eating pussy. Maybe if you pull him aside and mean, go, come on, man, how
0: much pussy did you eat? And you go, oh, good Lord.
1: <laughs> I'm way. imagining it's a lot. I was actually at a dinner party where he was at. Really? And he's the man. Like, he's, really? As far as like, having just that natural charisma where you just want to just pull up a seat and listen to him tell a story, right. it could be about him getting a fucking Starbucks. It didn't really matter. When Michael Douglas was telling a story, it was like, whoa. He's like had a lot of made. experience, man, yeah. including, like, catastrophic failures as a parent. You know,
0: he's got a son that's in jail for drugs. That's got to be, like, really weird. You know, that, that that often happens with those big-time movie star fellows and, and gals. They become uh, big-time movie stars, and they just don't have enough time to raise their kids. And then the kids are around these, like, really super unhealthy environments and, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of, like... Empty pleasure environments and a lack of understanding, discipline, and then also genetic predisposition to addictions that he had. And obviously his son, Charlie, has, you know, who knows other folks in his family might have had as
1: well. (sighs) It's a bittersweet life. Yeah, it's it's challenging, and, and I think the way that I look at it is it's it's, it's extra pressure. It's not like it's inevitable that you're going to be fucked up in that situation, but it's extra pressure, mm-hmm. and so you have to do extra things to be able to combat that. Yeah. You know, you really have to focus on your discipline. Do things like you know, spiritual journeys and meditation and psychedelics and things that you got to say, listen, this is going to be the pressure of the world in this situation is going to try and steer me this way. So I got to overcompensate by working that much harder to make sure I stay grounded and stay balanced. But those, you know, those mechanisms aren't in place and they're not part of mainstream understanding. So. You know, whereas maybe in 50 years, a person like Michael Douglas will be like, listen, here's your 18th birthday. You're going down to Peru. I know this shaman really well. I'll see you in two weeks. And then every year thereafter, you're doing something else, you know, staying in a in an ashram for two mm-hmm. weeks. Or he's got to know that there's so much pressure that he can help kind of guide this. But right now, it's just nobody knows that much.
0: Yeah, could you imagine if you grew up and your dad was a giant movie star, and you go on the red carpet holding your dad's hand, and you're like, also... You have to live in that guy's shadow. Yeah. You know, like, what are you doing, man? Oh, you run a bakery? You're Michael Douglas's kid. Right. Your fucking dad's a... He won the Oscar. I don't even know if he won an Oscar. I'm sure he did. One of those I'm sure. Things. That's something or another, but, yeah. you know, what a fucking weird batch of pressure that is. You know, I have friends that's da- that their dads are, like, pretty successful, and they still, like, they're adults. They live under the shadow of their dad. Even if they're more successful than their dad. It's like, See? You know, fucking up past your dad. Oh, you didn't, dad. Uh, you know, yeah, it's,
1: it's a weird dynamic. They call that like the Oedipal complex, right? Where you have mm-hmm. to, that urge to kill your father. And it's not literally kill your father, but it means to overcome, you know, what his, what his greatness was. You know, be better than him in some way or another. And, and fuck it, your mom. And fuck your mother. Yeah, that's another I don't I don't even know how to explain that part. But yeah, but that's that's part of this drive, like to be better than the generation before you, which is it's why, you know, a lot of times even in South America, the shamans they train, you know, father to grandson rather than father to son. They skip a generation to avoid that kind of power dynamic because they know it's gonna be kinda fucked up. If they're both practicing at the same time, it's always gonna be weird. That's really clever. Yeah. That's so clever that they do that. It was probably out of just sheer necessity, you know.
0: Yeah, I got a way better relationship with my grandfather than I ever did with my father. (laughs) Right. My grandfather, like there's no pressure on him. Exactly. You know, he'd already raised kids. I was his you know, his daughter's kid. It was
1: easy yeah hung out with that dude went fishing with him and shit you know yeah. and he's not wrapped up in the ego of that's my boy you know mm-hmm. that's a big problem that fathers get caught up in too they identify with their children and that becomes part of their identity and then they put so much pressure on these kids to for their own benefit rather than just hey you're a human you know mm-hmm. what's best for you buddy
0: yeah yeah that's real hard for people man I've seen that with people trying to dictate their children's careers and I had a friend who grew up who was Korean. And Korean families, I don't know if you have any Korean friends, but Mm -hmm. Korean families are incredibly hardworking, like, incredibly strict, incredibly disciplined. Like, he was one of the most disciplined people I've ever met. He was on the national taekwondo team when he was going through his, uh, he was going through medical school. So he was in the middle of medical school, and he was also on the national taekwondo team. (laughs) Like, well, fucking do that, man. I mean, he won the nationals. As a fucking medical student, this guy, I mean, he was studying 16 hours a day, and he found time to train. He would, in between uh, training, or in between studying at the library, he would run stairs at his university. Wow! He would just run the stairs, like with his street clothes on, and that's how he got some of his conditioning in. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've watched our researcher, Jarrett, as soon as he started medical school. It's just he was practicing BJJ. He was living in Brazil. We met him in Brazil. Mm -hmm. He's kind of stout, and he's just killing it in there. And I've seen the circles get deeper, and he's losing weight. And he still finds a little time here and there, but it's a grind. I I can't imagine that anybody
0: thinks it's the way to do it. I think no. everybody's just been doing it like that for so long, but how is, it, wh- how is it possible that they let doctors work these giant, long-ass shifts completely exhausted and take care of people's medical issues and, and possibly fuck things up because they're exhausted just because of fatigue?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's and it's kind of like that Navy SEAL type of training. That mm-hmm. They put you through enough pressure in medical school or in BUDS training, as, as it is for the Navy SEALs, that they can trust you in battle with people's lives on the line. You know, and I think that's why they make medical school that hard. You know, it's like a gauntlet that if you pass this motherfucker, then you'll be able to handle these long shifts, especially, you know, when you're interning at a hospital and and doing all those. I think it's probably the right move for SEALs.
0: (laughs) Right. But for doctors, (laughs) I just feel like, Jesus, why don't you have more doctors? Yeah. You know, why don't you have extra doctors instead of making one guy work 18 hours a fucking day? My friend Steve, I think you met Steve Graham, Mm -hmm. Dr. Steve. He was, we were, uh... When we, we were friends in Boston, he was going through his residency, and uh, in op, he was an ophthalmologist. And he told me that he was on the toilet, taking a shit, with a tray of food in his lap. He fell asleep, and his buzzer went off. And that's when he realized, like, like what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. He fell asleep on the toilet while he was eating. And the buzzer, like his pager was back when you had pagers, doctors. I think doctors still have pagers, some of them. Right? I
1: think they actually do. They're like still, they're the only ones with pagers. Drug dealers and yeah. doctors. Can you <laughs> right. trace
0: people through pagers? No, you can't, there's no fucking pay phones anymore. So if you're a drug dealer and you're trying to do things on the street... Like, you have to have a toss-away phone. You got burners. You got to have a burner phone. Yeah. How long before they make those illegal? Drug dealers and adulterers buying cricket phones all day. Yeah, how many people, like, buy those legitimately? How many people, like, buy burner phones and, like, I just like, I like this phone. This is my (laughs) (laughs) phone. Like,
1: nobody. No. 7-Eleven phones. No, that doesn't (laughs) happen. You know, one thing about doctors, people give doctors a hard time, especially, you know, because of this medical crisis that we're in, but I really don't think it's a doctor's fault. They're trained to... You know, they're trained to follow clinical research, you know, and they do that really, really well. They follow clinical research. The problem is, is that the people funding clinical research have a vested interest. They're researching products that they want to sell. They're not researching, hey, let's see what happens if we feed this guy a natural diet, you know, Mm -hmm. and do that against placebo. Well, that's a couple hundred grand that nobody's paying for because nobody's making any money off that. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's not there's an absence of clinical research showing these other kind of functional medicine and nonprofit ways that people can get healthy. And I think that really, when you're looking at, you know, kind of correcting some of the issues in medicine, that's what needs to happen. Big nonprofit groups need to get together and start funding clinical trials for these things that have no profitable, profitable viability. You know, just mm-hmm. studying healthy diets, studying, you know, what happens if you float for you know every day for six weeks, studying right. what happens when you do... All of these other things that you can't possibly make money off of. And I think that's going to make a big difference.
0: That is. And it's also, try talking to a doctor about something that's outside of his wheelhouse. And, you know, you've got to get a lot of, you know, like, what do you think about, you know, ask a doctor about meditation or, oh, yeah, you know, that's not going (laughs) to. That guy's fucking busy, man. He's got 18 different patients waiting in his office. And that's not his field of study. And you can't possibly know everything about the human body when it comes to every single function of the human body All the different mechanisms involved in absorbing nutrients and absorbing like the the the, the, the different things that can go wrong in Various organs like you specialize they specialize mm-hmm. for a reason. There's a reason why foot doctors aren't also neurosurgeons You know you, right. you can't be yeah. you can't be and it's it's sort of analogous to life like in life, you can't know everything about everything in life, and doctors just most you run into a lot of doctors. You don't want to trade bodies with them. You right. go like, you're a doctor, like you're yeah. you're a guy who's supposed to be like managing like the health and wellness of these people that are in your care. At least as far as fixing them when shit goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But you've got a pot belly, and you don't have an ass. Like you 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 have bad posture. Your yeah. your neck is kind of slumped forward. Like. And you're a doctor, and you're, you, you, so you're not on the ball with everything either. No one is. It's an, it's a, literally a virtual impossibility to be complete as, in, as far as your education about the entire human body and every single organ and everything that can go wrong and everything that you could do right to prevent all these things from going wrong and to really have a deep knowledge in the benefits of all these different things like yoga and meditation and super healthy you know nutrient rich diets you got to do it you have to actually do that Absolutely. you have to have a shitty, like Rich Roll, who's gonna be on the podcast again soon, uh, I've had him in the past, and he's a ultra marathon runner, who became this like fucking health and wellness fanatic, and he used to eat shit food, and a terrible diet, and then started like juicing beets and eating healthy vegetables, and his whole body was like, what's going on, Ah!" And he like described like one day where he just got out and just started running, like he had so much energy, he just started running. Well, it takes a guy like that to give you, I mean, obviously it's an anecdotal experience it's just one guy's take on what happened but those those stories are super important to to 100%. so that you know that that is if you really do change your diet and throw a bunch of healthy like really low fat meats and high you know, like high nutrient vegetables, and eat really healthy foods. You will feel different. Like your your way you interface with the world will feel different. Yeah. Eat a lot of avocados and <laughs> coconut oil. Get those healthy fats for your brain, and you feel different. No like, doubt about it. This it's isn't undeniable. like. It's not a fucking aesthetic thing. It's not like, I want to look good on the beach, I'm gonna starve myself. That's not even healthy. Look at her, she's not even healthy. Like I saw this photo, these chicks were bombing on this girl. It was hilarious because it was a girl who was just thin. She was just thin. She didn't look like she was anorexic at all, but all these women were just shitting on her body. Like, mm. oh, God, get her a sandwich. Oh, God, she's too thin. Like, that's, she has th- thin bones, man. Sure. You look at this girl, like, that's how she's built. But nobody wants to accept that. They want to they think that there's something wrong with this girl. You're supposed to be overflowing <laughs> over the top of your fucking jeans. You're supposed to have, like, big floppy meat bags in
1: between your legs that rub it's together e- when you walk. It's easier to think that than to go the other that's way. That's
0: healthy. She's yeah. not healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The best doctor I know is, is Dr. Ingle, and we work with him and on it. And so he was trained as a psychiatrist, clinical forensic child psych- psychiatry, got his MD, and then was like, uh, I don't really think this is the whole picture. So he was like, all right, I'm going to go completely the other way. Went down to South America and did 40 sessions of ayahuasca in 60 nights. And did way too much, like like fried himself Jesus to a certain Christ. degree. So then he had to go live in a tent for a little while, figure, <laughs> figure some shit out. He's like, that was way too much. So he lived in a tent for, on a land for like a year, and then he started studying different kind of functional medicine, but he put himself in the lab with all these things. Sometimes he screwed up, sometimes he got it right, but now he's able to combine, you know, the best part of Western medicine is MD, the best part of, you know, the shamanistic practices from South America, the best part of functional medicine and natural medicine, and kind of put it all together, and that's that's where the doctors can become great. Because maybe they're not specialists, but the problem with specialists is everything in the body is interconnected and related. So if you're only specializing in one thing, you're going to focus on that potentially to the detriment of the rest of your body. So having that at least basic understanding of the connection between all the parts of the body is incredibly valuable for a doctor. And then also putting themselves through all the thing. How are you going to talk shit on what ayahuasca can do unless you've done it? Right. You know, like, there's no way yeah. to know, like, what that experience is. Same with prescribing these drugs, you know? It's like you're prescribing drugs that you've never even taken. Like, how are you, How do you know what this is going to do to somebody? It's a weird kind of place that, that we're in right now.
0: Well, uh, I have a friend... Um, have some of that, fella. It's good for you. All right. I have a friend um, who uh, her husband went over to Germany for artificial disc replacement. And, um, like, he's, he's fucked. Like, his back is fucked. And so they uh, replaced a bunch of his discs. And uh, he's way better now. Yeah. Like, way better now. He's skiing again. Like, his, his back was fucked. And apparently they have these discs in Germany, these artificial discs, that they just can't sell in America. They just can't sell them. Nope, not they're just all not that. ready yet. Yeah, for whatever reason. I mean, maybe there's a good reason. I mean, maybe they're they're worth more, more thorough over here, and maybe they prevent people from you know having to get those old silicone breast implants pulled out like that kind of shit. Yeah, when they one, find out when, it's when one you, pops, they're giving you fucking lupus or some or, shit, and that right. happens to people. They get autoimmune disorders because their tits leak. Yeah, but these these discs, uh, Bralio Estima got one in his neck. He uh, had a jujitsu um, injury, and. Uh, really bad neck injury where he's temporarily paralyzed and the whole deal went and got his uh disc replaced fought won the world championships afterwards his uh fighting in the MMA afterwards i mean i mean he's gone through this incredibly devastating injury and with an artificial disc in his neck still getting yanked on he's still getting choked not that often. He's pretty fucking good. He doesn't really get choked very often. But the point being, he's got full functionality. And yeah. so is this guy. This guy had discs fused in his back. Went to Germany. They opened all that shit up, unfused his discs. I guess I don't know if they did that. And they put these artificial discs in place, and now he's fucking moving around like it's crazy. But That's they can't. Awesome. But I was talking to my doctor about it. I go, so why they don't do that in America? You can't do it in America. But do you recommend it? He goes, I definitely recommend it. Like, they, if you have the funds, like, if someone has got a really fucked up back and they have the
1: funds, he's like, yeah, they, like, it's worth doing. And it's not like Germany's a free-for-all. And a lot of yeah. things they are even more strict than us. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure all vitamins are pharmaceuticals pretty much in Germany. Like, we can't sell shit in Germany. Because, really? like, they, they control everything very carefully out there. So... You know they're, they're they kind prescribe of them though. At least they prescribe so. vitamins. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but I know the prohibition for us sending anything, even our vitamin C supplements, in there. Like no, 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 no vitamin, vitamin C. C. That's a pharmaceutical. Wow. Like, Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. But yeah. I, but yeah, I mean, well that's what they they invented that Regenikine, which I'm
0: a giant fan of. You mm-hmm. know, I've had that done several times now, man. You want to talk about something that just cuts your injury, like the the recovery di- time down radically. It's very expensive but if you have something that's really fucking with you a nagging injury oftentimes it just nips that shit in the bud and it's available finally in america but insurance doesn't cover it you have to pay for it yourself But it's like what is this insurance like why doesn't this and they like it's off label like what does this mean like i'm not i'm not complaining that it's here i'm happy that at least you could use it because you still can't do the artificial discs or any of that other shit but it's going to come a point in time where you gotta go is this the most efficient system
1: Yeah, no doubt. I I think really we're at a really cool time where all kinds of new shit is is coming out. And it's going to be like the best of what technology can do. And I think the next big piece is going to become in harnessing what the mind can do. Mm. I was doing a little bit of research because I'm doing a lot of writing now. And there was a study published in 2002 where they took 180 patients and they gave half of them a fake placebo knee surgery and the other half arthroscopic knee surgery. Right, and but everybody thought they were getting real knee surgery. So it was placebo controlled knee surgery. Whoa. And the results were absolutely on par. The people who got placebo controlled knee surgery were cruising around, they were walking around fine. And people who got actual arthroscopic knee surgery were also doing a lot better as well. Wow. So I mean, and that's something that isn't tested very often in surgery, because people don't think, how do you do a placebo surgery? Well, they've done they've done that with there's a, a study in the nineteen fifties that did it with a particular type of heart surgery where people, they gave people placebo heart surgery and real surgery, the results were on par. And so I think understanding how much that plays an effect, because if you go to surgery and you come out and you're all right, you think you're fixed. You know, like, man, the doctors were in there, they know shit, they were cutting shit up, they were sewing it up, I'm good. So that placebo effect, even in surgery, is dramatic, it's huge. Mm. And I think really the frontiers of medicine are gonna be harnessing the stuff that really does work and add benefit, and then us tapping into these latent resources in our mind and using belief to help speed up and facilitate even additional healing. That's amazing. On the other hand, I really
0: appreciate the fact that there's steps that people have to go through before they can sell a pharmaceutical drug. Mm -hmm. Because we've all been aware of someone close to us or something that had an adverse effect of some pharmaceutical drug that you see on those late night commercials were you one of the ones who took viox or yeah. fenfen remember fenfen yeah that fucked Ooh. a lot of people up god damn son that fucked people's hearts up mm-hmm. like for life like, there's people that have, like, fucking tricky hearts now because of some diet pills. So, yeah, lose fat but and your life. <sighs> yeah, man. I know a dude who had a stroke because he was taking Guy Metzger, UFC fighter, mm. he was former champion, a great fighter, great guy, too, really yeah, cool guy. Yeah, met him. He got a fucking stroke from Vioxx, dude. <laughs> he, he's taking this shit for arthritis in his knees, and all of a sudden he starts slurring his words, and everyone's like, um, Guy, something's going on. Yeah. And they take him in, they find out he's got a stroke. You know, and on top of a, a lifelong career of uh, MMA fighting, he was actually talking about some interesting therapy that he's going through, something that's really benefited him, benefited his balance. See if you could pull that up. Uh, Guy Metzger, I don't have a, a laptop in front of me, but Guy Metzger discusses brain trauma video. It's really interesting. First of all, because... Guy Metzger who is uh, a pioneer. I mean, I was I called one of his fights one of his uh, early UFC fights in 97 You know, I've known that guy for a long time He's always been like a super Stand-up looks like a movie star. Yeah looks like a hero in a movie. He's been just a cool dude like always and even in this situation, it's really cool because he's super honest about how he how he feels, like, how he feels physically as opposed to how he used to feel and, like, what was going wrong. And he talked about the improvements that he had. It's hilarious, actually, because he talks about the improvements that he has. Like, you know, he's talking about brain trauma from fighting and then a stroke. And then later on, he's talking about now he can spar again. <laughs> he's sparring with some fucking young whippersnapper that came All into right. his gym and the it's doctor's like, fun. What the fuck are you doing? he's says, like, Don't worry, he didn't hit me. He's like, You didn't hit him! You! You're in there fucking sparring, man. But for, you know, he's a world champion. When yeah. you're when you're a, a guy like Guy Matzgro had like legit striking skills too, it like, really it's fun for him. It's like being that's a chess
1: he... master and not being able to play chess anymore. Yeah, yeah,
0: man, that's where he gets his jollies. Is this it? I don't know, i asking you. Let me see, play it and uh, I'll tell you if it is. Spot yeah, veterans. this is it.
2: You'll be able to uh, move around without your cane. Especially vets with brain injuries. I don't believe we do enough. Uh, to be honest, I think we, we
1: give a lot of lip service to helping our vets, but yeah. not a lot of action.
2: So Metzger's changing that.
1: What we offer here is a class for them start getting in shape. This is a
0: different thing, Trading but this is cool that he's doing that.
2: Keep at his your hands up, son. <laughs> <at Addison>. <laughs> <laughs> run through he's in Addison, Texas. Program class.
1: WORKING ALONGSIDE THE Carrick BRAIN CENTERS IN IRVING, Metzger KNOWS WHAT A BRAIN INJURY DOES TO A PERSON. HE HAS ONE TOO. I HAD A 17-YEAR-LONG PROFESSIONAL FIGHT CAREER AND I HAD A MEDICINE INDUCED STROKE AND I HAVE A BRAIN TUMOR. Metzger BELIEVES THE COMBAT TRAINING
2: THAT WORKS FOR HIM WILL MAKE OUR MILITARY HEROES HEALTHIER AND HAPPIER.
1: WE TRY TO ATTACH THESE GUYS BACK TO THAT, that ELEMENT THAT MADE THEM BECOME you know, SOLDIERS IN THE FIRST PLACE. FOR TEXANS WITH CHARACTER, I'M TRACY CORNETT. This
0: is a different thing. See if you can find the other one, because the other one he details is therapy that he went through that uh, helped him. But that's cool that you could see from that video what kind of a guy he is. You know, so what was important was that he was um, he was talking about it in, like, this really honest way, like his balance is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to shield himself, like, Hey, I still got it. Don't worry about that. Yeah. You know, he was he was being, like, real humble and honest about the state that he's in. They're making some headway with brain trauma. It's interesting. There's some therapies that are effective.
1: No doubt. And I I think it's going to come from a basket of really cures at this point. You know, everybody, it's Mm -hmm. not going to be one magic bullet. It's going to be a variety of different things. Yeah. And stacking these modalities, like CBD has some potential. Mm -hmm. Intranasal liposomal glutathione has some potential. Mm -hmm. Floating has some potential. Microdosing psilocybin might have some potential. There's been shown some neurogenesis that comes from from that. But all of these things that that are... Disparate right now. I think ultimately maybe when put together might be the solution. Yeah, that's the solution, right? The
0: solution is it's not an either-or thing It's not of you have to go the conventional route with pharmaceutical drugs right. and a doctor's prescription or You go the fruitcake route with holistic medicine. and You're doing yoga and eating fucking kelp It doesn't have to be it could be all the good stuff all the yeah. good stuff the good stuff that seems woo-woo like, you, know, you talk to people who do kundalini yoga, <laughs> yeah. like, that's, I, I knew this lady, she's a sweetheart, I still know her, and she's a kundalini teacher, and she's- Is she
1: blazing hot?
0: Because a lot of kundalini teachers are. She was, at yeah. one point in time. I mean, she's still attractive, but she's an older woman now. Right. But um, she was beautiful when she was young. She's beautiful now. I love her. She's a good person, but my point is, I don't want to disparage her in any way. <laughs> she's so woo woo. Yeah. She's so woo woo. It's fucking crazy. Like you can't talk to her about anything. Like she makes you, like you go onto her property. If you go to, to where her house is, she makes you like stand in a certain place and say your blessings, and and, and like ask for ask for the the uh, the earth and the woods to embrace you. Like and she's not bullshitting, man. Right. She really means that. Right. You know, and she she will tell you. That, like, kundalini yoga and, like, this practice of yoga has, like, changed her being, changed who she is as an individual. Now, I'd say, like, oh, she's some woo-woo crazy bitch, with all due respect, with love. Crazy bitch. <laughs> I call myself a crazy bitch. But my then my friend Denny got into it. Yeah. Denny Propokos? Mm-hmm. And Denny, you know Denny. Denny, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, black belt, world champion as a brown belt, no-gi jiu-jitsu. I mean, he's a bad motherfucker and a very good friend. And he's not a bullshit artist at anything. Nope. And he started getting deep into Kundalini and he started doing it every day. And he said, dude, I'm tripping balls. Mm. He goes, I'm telling you when I'm in full Kundalini mode, because Danny's super disciplined and the type of discipline that you need to be a high level competitive Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt is the same kind of discipline that if applied to yoga and like a constant attention and focus on achieving these states. I now believe that all the stuff that I used to think was horseshit. I mean, it's really kind of egotistical that I thought, I just thought there was too much, there's so much shenanigans going on. Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, I would hear people talk about these yoga states where they would achieve full-on DMT realm states. And I'd be like, sure you did. You know, <laughs> I, just, I just didn't believe them. I thought yeah. they were like, you know how p- people who eat vegan food always tell you it tastes amazing? Right. They're
1: always, it's like, eh, it's never like, it's kind of cardboardy. That, but that chicken with the apostrophe on yeah. it tastes just like
0: chicken. But you know what I'm saying? It's like they're overly enthusiastic to the point where their yeah. opinion or their their taste is not, it's, you don't consider it without reservation. But Denny, I consider him without reservation. I know him so well. So he tells me he's hitting these states. I was
1: like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, the kundalini yoga is... Uh I think well first of all the problem that a lot of people have is they stack extra shit on top of the good stuff That's just complete nonsense right and yeah. that helped, that makes you want to discard the whole thing mm-hmm. like some of this woman's yeah. other practices were probably the majority of why you went man Everything you're doing is whack because I know some of this is whack yeah. And I think that's an issue you make but the actual Kundalini Yoga I had a podcast with the former Navy SEAL this guy Michael Vega and he was on 11 different pharmaceuticals and and that's another big problem with the military is they really overprescribe um, psychological meds for these, for these people and, and the interactions can be a problem. But he was on 11, couldn't sleep, full PTSD, totally fucked up. And then his process was exactly the same. He stopped taking the meds and started doing kundalini yoga, which he stumbled upon. And he's actually out here. And that was the key for him to reverse his PTSD. And this is an old Navy SEAL, like a real deal combat vet, you know, in the shit kind of guy. And that's the method that worked you know it kind of makes sense if you think
0: about it because that applies to almost everything else that there's someone out there that does it so well that if you experience them doing it you go oh now i get it you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like we've all seen that like i've never taken any music lessons at all but i have friends that play guitar and uh, i had a friend that would play classical guitar He'd do flamencos and shit mm-hmm. and uh, he would get, grow his fingernails long and <laughs> right. shit, like the whole deal and he had to like put nail polish over him and, and he would uh, he was my friend from the time we were like fifteen, and um he would go crazy with this fucking guitar, you could see his fingers move and he'd play this crazy flamenco music, and you would realize that it's possible, but until I saw him do it like with my fucking fat, stupid fingers, right. and like i don't I, mean, I guess you could get there, but I've never seen anybody get there. You know yeah. what I mean? You've got to see it. Yeah. And it's the same with martial arts. I remember um, being a kid, like watching like black belts for the first time, watching people throw kicks, and watching people like this guy specifically, this guy John Lee. I watched him. I remember watching him hit the bag, and now knowing that that was possible, where that was in my mind, it was, it was the what he was doing, the, the amount of power that he had, the speed that he had, and the execution, the perfect technique. Didn't exist in my head. There was no, there was no model for it, you know. So to, to watch someone do it in the flesh was all of a sudden it was like, whoa! This is a real thing. Like this is possible. You could achieve that level. Mm. Whereas you take the average person, you t- tell them to go kick something, it's going to look ridiculous, right? But this guy had it all polished down to this tornado move, wham, wham, and he just, he just had the motions down, and it was fascinating to watch. And so, because of that, like I aspire to achieve a similar level of proficiency that this guy had. that was like my goal to get as good as John Lee. And so when you look at Kundalini yoga, it's got to be the same thing. Mm. It's got to be he, it, with every discipline, there's you get better at it. Every time I do yoga, I get a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time I hit poses, I get a little better. I can go into them deeper. I, I, my body is more comfortable there. I, I just I, I set into it better, my balance is better. And you gotta think that i'm not doing it that often you gotta think these motherfuckers that are doing it every day they're getting into these crazy places and i'm not doing kundalini yoga i'm doing just like just stretching and all that kind of i don't know what you would even call it like what the the discipline is Mm. but the kundalini is specifically designed according to denny to try to stimulate
1: these psychedelic states. Yeah, and what they're using is breath, and you mm. know you can get that in a variety of different ways. And the other thing that I've done is called holotropic breathing, yeah, which is pretty much that. like Kundalini yoga without the the yoga aspect. And Kundalini yoga has very little to do with stretching; it's mostly getting in postures and breathing really you know deep breaths frequently and kind of draw it, visualizing and some visualization visualizing drawing energy up from your kundalini center which is the base of your body and then doing these breath works and i've felt what it what can happen when you're in these you know hyper oxygenated states And it's really, really powerful. I haven't done the kundalini yoga in, like, a proper session. I've just done it a little bit where you kind of bounce up and down and you're breathing and Mm. getting these things. But it's accessing that same mechanism, which is basically flooding your body with oxygen and creating these seemingly psychedelic states. Yeah, seemingly. I mean, they are psychedelic. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: I would like to see some studies done on what's going on when you're doing that holotropic breathing. Like, if you hit, like, a peak, if they could put those... EFMG or whatever the fuck it is. EKG. What is it? Functional. FMRI. FMRI. If they could put that on you. Mm -hmm. All the the various ways they have of monitoring what the fuck's going on in your dome. If they could do that while you were in that, like, if you got to that psychedelic state and you told them, I was there. I was there. And, like, okay, well, let's let's look at the chart and
1: see. Yeah. I mean, they'd probably see it in a lot of things. They'd see it in blood flow. They'd see it in brainwave activity. They'd see it in a variety of things. I want to know what happens when you're killing on stage. I want to know what that is. I bet, I bet it's in that 10 hertz alpha frequency. That would be probably exactly where you want to be for that. Creative, everything's easy, it's smooth, you lose track of time. I mean, that's the characteristic of that 10 hertz kind of window, that sweet mm. spot, that flow state. Yeah, there's a weird
0: state you hit. Yeah. it's a weird state you hit when everything's cracking. And I love watching other people kill, too, because I could kind of see them in that state. I'm like, oh, he's in there. You know, like you watch like Joey Diaz is like one of the best examples because Joey will reach these these states And he'll say things off the top of his fucking head (laughs) that you would swear somebody like Somebody would like they would labor for years to try to come up with a line as beautiful and poetic Yeah, and he'll say it and then after it comes out of his mouth He starts laughing (laughs) because he's laughing at it because he didn't even know he was gonna say it And he says like And you realize, like, that guy's gone. He's gone. He's in that.
1: And he's addicted to it. He's a, it's totally addicted to killing. That's funny you say that because I talked with Stephen Kotler, who wrote this book, The Rise of Superman. And they've done a lot of studies on these flow states. And when you're in this flow state, you're releasing a concoction of five different endogenous drugs. And I can't name them off the top of my head, but he makes the argument that flow state is by far the most addictive substance in the world. Because yeah. you're getting dopamine, you know, norepinephrine, all of these different endogenous drugs basically get flooded through your body and nothing feels better. Yeah. I mean, you can chase a high every other which way, but once you've felt that, you're going to want to get back to that more and more i mean it's incredibly addictive incredibly productive but also addictive yeah any guy that's ever done anything dangerous we've
0: talked to bmx folks or skateboarders or any of those extreme sports maniacs those guys for sure are a Totally. To that experience. The rush of danger and pulling it off. Fuck yeah. yeah. Ah, you know, you see those guys and they do a flip and then they land and are like, fuck yeah. yeah. Ah, it's like the universe is charging them like Highlander and shit, <laughs> like a lightning bolt's going through them. If yeah. you'd watch Chuck Liddell when Chuck Liddell would win, He's the best example he of is. that state, because he would win, and he would throw his arms back and roar and yell with his chest poked out. Pull up, pull up a video of Chuck Liddell celebrating. There's, like a, there's compilations of him celebrating. Yeah. When he was in his prime, dude, you want to talk about, like, if you wanted the guy to recruit new fans, if you said, man, what is this MMA thing? Watch this motherfucker. Yeah. What is this? The most badass celebration. What is this? it is like an edited version. Yeah, find one where they don't do their own dance mix to it. <laughs> <laughs> Just show it, man. Yeah, if you could Just bottle, if it. you could
1: b- no, and hardly anybody are ever gonna feel that that yeah. same thing. But we can all taste it in our own certain little ways. But if you could bottle that feeling. Forget about it. Everybody was, would just hit that button as many times as possible. You can't you can't you can't
0: and you no. you, you don't deserve it. No, <laughs> you don't deserve no, it. Agreed. You have to do what he did to get there. You have to fight Babalusa Sabral, Tito Ortiz you got to fight Kevin Randleman. You got to fight all those fucking guys You got to fight Rampage Jackson. You got to fight Alistair over him You got to yeah. fight those guys if you don't fight those guys You don't ever you don't deserve that feeling like he's in there with murderers and he's throwing haymakers <laughs> And when he was at his best, dude, god damn, he was a ferocious motherfucker. You know, his style almost like it kind of did him in because he was so aggressive and he was so willing to take one to give one. He wanted to get you into a war of wills. He was like, dude, there's no way, there's no, you just, you don't understand, there's no way. You're gonna hit me, and it's not gonna hurt, and I'm gonna fucking kill you. If you stand in front of me, I'm gonna smash your face in. And that was like his style, mm-hmm. skillful, of course. I mean, he did have do good defensive skills, but he would oftentimes abandon them just with, r- just rage, and yeah. just go after opponents. So like, if you wanted like the perfect guy, to, like if you wanted to show somebody, I want you to watch MMA. Watch a Chuck Liddell fight in his prime. You'd be like, fucking Christ, man. Like, when he beats up Tito Ortiz and he has him up against the cage, he just da 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 da, da just yeah. fucking unloading these combinations, and, and Tito starts to slump down. Fucking Christ, man. I mean, Jesus Christ. That guy was a, a fucking warrior in there. And, and raw. Raw to yeah. all of those feelings. That's, that's why when he throws his arms back, you appreciate it. It's not like a guy who just... Decision to guy to death. He blanketed him, <laughs> right, and got yeah, on yeah. top of him, threw little baby punches. No, this is a guy who just threw his soul at a guy, came out triumphant. He's like, rah! You don't get that roar if you barely win by a split decision in a fight where you didn't take any chances, where you you know you did the right thing, but you stifled him up against the cage and put him to the ground and got on top of him and re- didn't really re- make any risks. No, you only get that when you go balls out barbarian style. Yeah, Like look at that picture. That's awesome. There's no video? It, it seems like contact. How is
1: there no video of this? Zufa. How dare you, Zufa, my employers? My it seems last like employers. Con- contact sports are some of the best ways to get that. I mean, you'll see that also when, like, a running back runs over three different giant men who've been training their whole life to bring them down. They get in there and you'll get a t- taste of that. Probably none quite the same as Chuck Liddell, but it, something about these contact sports where you're actually just in it and just getting. Pounded by different other, you know individuals and then triumphing releases that massive feeling.
0: Yeah, you know I never experienced that I never like any tournament that I won or anything like that I always felt weird after it was over. (laughs) I never felt I felt relief Because it was over and now I could relax I did feel good about it later when I thought about like yeah, I fucking won. Wow. I have a trophy I could look at it like this is mine. I won this but when it was over, like, the state of mind, even if I won by knockout, especially even if I won by knockout, because then I, would always, I was always like, fuck, that could have been me. Mm. Like, I'm not even making any money doing this. I'm out here throwing kicks at people, and they're kicking me, and I'm kicking them, and look what happened to this fucking kid. I don't even know this kid. I don't even know this kid, and I just put him in the hospital. Like, this is ridiculous. That's what I would think. Yeah. I would never be like, Rah! That's why I had to quit. <laughs> I'm not designed yeah, not, for this shit. Not getting I'm, enough yeah, juice. Well, yeah, there's something missing. It's, I, I was too, uh, I was also too aware of the potential downsides. Right. Like I was an early on adapter of head trauma paranoia. Because I'm pretty honest about, I think one of the things about being a martial artist, at least for me, the way uh, I got better at it quicker, is that I was super honest about all the shit that I did wrong. I never tried to pretend anything was better than what it was. I would look at everything and I'd never be satisfied. All the techniques I'd be like, that's not crisp enough. There's not the weight transfer is not hard enough. There's like whatever it was. I'd be like, I gotta just keep drilling this over and over and over again. And because of that, I was like acutely aware of my performance levels, which is why when I started getting hit in the head a lot, I started looking at the performance of my thinking, and I was like, something's off. There's something going on here. Like, I'm feeling a very small, and I'm trying to attribute it to fatigue. I'm like, maybe it's because of fatigue. Maybe it's because I'm tired, because I've been training a lot, because I'm fighting. And then i was like maybe i'm getting hit in the head too much mm. and then i was like whoa fuck man this is and then i started thinking about these people that you see in life like you run into some old dude and he's hunched over and he's got a cane you don't think of that guy as being a three-year-old running in his dad's backyard laughing and giggling and impervious to injury and flopping down on his butt and just getting right back up because he's only three inches off the ground no you look at a decaying creature Who's reached the 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 final slide of his existence in this dimension. He's at he's on the way out you don't see the full journey and I think we think of these guys that you run into in the gym that are punchy and you think of them and you go Oh that fucking guy man. Yeah, he's punch drunk. That guy didn't used to be punch drunk though He used to be a regular guy He used to be a regular guy that you could talk to and now he's in this weird place and I I didn't you know, I didn't compete that long especially like with a lot of head blows Like the, the I, way more head blows in boxing and kickboxing Which all happened in the last like two or three years that I was doing martial arts like really intensely and in competing so I don't think I took too much but when I when I think about people that I know that I know are fucked up now that
1: that bothers me, man. It's one of the main things that bothers me about the sport. No doubt. And and it's you know, it's interesting. It's like choosing this lifestyle that you know can give you access to these feelings like maybe Chuck Liddell felt that point zero 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 one percent of the whole world will ever feel. You get access to a little piece of that, but you it comes at a terrible price, you know, yeah. if you stick with it too long.
0: If you stick with it too long, and that's the problem <laughs> is what we were talking about earlier, is the addiction the addiction to that fucking rush yeah. that rush that wild feeling i i ne- like i said i never felt it like that
1: well you look at some of the people who are really intriguing me right now and and they have a different kind of attitude when they're in there sometimes they can feel it like someone like john jones for example is a is a good example of that where it's just so calculated calm and flow you know everything looks like it's you know, you don't see that rage come out of him in, right. the, in the cage anymore. And so he's so efficient at making great guys look silly. Mm. And, and even Connor, even though he's just starting out and he's got a lot of tougher guys to fight, he has a little bit of that, that element, too, where everything just looks easy for mm-hmm. him in there. And I think that's the next wave because—and they're going to they're gonna deny themselves maybe some of the pleasure on the other side, but their performance in that level, in that mode, is going to be pretty fucking tough to beat. Yeah, this it's very interesting seeing these various styles that are emerging
0: You know one of the things that I really love about the UFC um, I and this is uh, as a person who's seen it from the really early days You know I started watching UFC 2 so and being able to call more than a thousand fights live from just a few feet away You're seeing it's like a mathematical equation you're seeing like what are the benefits of being 265 pounds built like Brock Lesnar versus what are the benefits of a superior gas tank like Cain Velasquez and really good wrestling skills? What are the benefits of crisp technique over what are the benefits of rage and aggression and right. muscle? What are the benefits of, of 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 a pace that no one can can keep up with versus a guy who throws knockout blows but gets tired after the second round? Like where where is the numbers? So now I'm looking at it. Not just as like individuals with unique personalities unique physical skills like we all know like guys like Hector Lombard like look at him That's a unique physical specimen period. There's no denying that you just can't deny it. Mm -hmm. He's just there's not a that's not a regular dude. He doesn't move like a regular dude. He's not going to hit you like a regular dude. So, there's a massive benefit. His in that. skull somehow has muscles that attach to his
1: <laughs> traps. I don't even know. I don't even know how that's possible. He's so
0: <laughs> stupid strong too, dude. You watch him like fight Tim Bosch Tim Bosch is a, like a really big 185. And Tim Bosch is strong as fuck, dude. And Tim Bosch would go to the takedown and Hector snapped him down and sprawled like I have never seen a five foot eight man do to a big fucking yeah. Viking looking dude like Tim Bosch. He just grabs him and snaps him down like fucking Christ, how strong is that dude? <laughs> like he's like way through Jake Shields around. Who the fuck has ever done that before? Who's ever done that before? He, he flipped Jake Shields through the air and hip-tossed him. Jake Shields is a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Like, he competed against Marcelo Garcia, Cameron Earl. I mean, he was, he was in the mix against John Fitch. He, he, he grappled against, like, some really top-level competition and performed very well in, in straight jiu-jitsu. So to watch him just get fucking thrown through the air with the greatest of ease, you're like, what kind of a freak is that? Mm-hmm. But is that the way to go, or is the way to go to be that guy and also pretend you 're not yeah. to fight like you 're a regular dude to fight like you 're a guy who doesn 't have ridiculous explosive power, but always have that on tap and know when to release a little bit out of it and then pull it back a little
1: bit out of it. that way you can get that Frankie Edgar pace. Well, it's not only a proving grounds for strategy, like you're talking, yeah. which is amazing, but it's also a proven ground for mental conditioning. I mean, this is the place where there's absolutely zero room to be at less than your potential. Mm-hmm. And you see that all the time. You see fighters come out, and for whatever reason, you know that a different operating system in that body would be fighting that night Better So for mm-hmm. whatever reason, they weren't reaching it. And then you see the converse side, like T.J. Dillashaw versus Barao when he came out, where you know he's on that bleeding edge of 99.99 mm-hmm. of his potential mm-hmm. of what he can do at that given point. and And the states that they get in to get themselves that way, the practices. Yeah. You know, John Jones, when we actually ran into him before his last fight at dinner, and he was talking about a really interesting practice that he was doing in which he was – going through all of the worst-case scenarios that can happen against Daniel Corme, Daniel Corme taking him down, all of the worst-case, and he said, and I've accepted those, and I'm fine with them. And for him, that was releasing any fear that he had of what might happen in the ring. And that's what, and Daniele Bellelli pointed this out, that's also what the samurai would do before battle, and this is described vividly in the Hagakure, the Book of the Samurai. They would vividly imagine in their mind all of the different ways they could die, gutted and eviscerated, their gut spilling out in their hands, an arrow piercing their neck. They would go through all of these different scenarios in their head, be at peace with them, understanding that death was coming to them all anyways, and then that way they wouldn't fear these scenarios, so they were fiercer in battle. So these techniques that are getting reinnovated by people like John Jones are really you know, amazing to see because... A lot of times innovation comes out of necessity and there's no greater necessity than another killer trying to pummel you in front of millions of people. Yeah, the people want to say that it's 99% mental or
0: 90% mental. That's not really true Mm-mm. because no matter how strong your brain is, John Jones is going to kick your fucking ass, okay? <laughs> John can be drunk on coke. He's going to bitch slap you. He's a better athlete. He's just a better right. fighter, period. But if John Jones' mind is totally on point, if he's in that samurai zone, that this is an unbelievably deadly combination. When you have the superior athlete with the superior mental toughness, like a guy who goes through a really strong amateur wrestling background has, like all those guys have s- some savage mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And you add that to like some sort of meditation practice or some sort of, a lot of them are using hypnosis now, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. There's a guy um, who uh, Joe Schilling was talking about. I'll say his name because it's on my, um, it's on my Twitter thing. But uh, I want to. He just did Ian um, McCall as well. Mm-hmm. He's hypnotizing motherfuckers, and he's doing it through FaceTime. He's hypnotizing them. <laughs> uh, Vinny, damn it! Why can't I remember those, his last name? Shorman, I believe it is. Yes, Vinny Shorman. That's it. And Vinny Shorman is also a, an excellent striking commentator. He does like a lot of kickboxing events mm-hmm. and um, um, Muay Thai events. And he works with some of these fighters and and hypnotizes them and puts them in these states of mind. And and he essentially, I want to talk to him about doing it for stand up comedy. Because I don't think anybody's ever done it for, like, I don't think anybody's ever gotten hypnotized. Like, especially where everything's going well.
1: Yeah. You know? Like, let's, let's see what happens. Let's see what,
0: what happens if I get this guy to read my fucking brain.
1: Well, all of these things, are, and we've talked about it a bit on this podcast already, they're manipulating the belief system. Yeah. And I've you know talked about knee surgery, placebos, this placebo, this nocebo effect, the power that the brain has to be able to affect conditions within the human body. Mm-hmm. And then so manipulating that to your benefit, I think, is, is a huge part of you know the next frontier and i also think especially when there's two people involved if we understand that the belief system has a lot to do with potential outcomes both for health and a variety of things that's all been proven you know belief has huge you know a huge amount of leverage on what you're capable of doing physically so understanding that then it would make sense that evolutionarily speaking humans would be good belief detectors of each other right because that would allow you to assess whether your opponent at a certain point or someone you were going to fight might be able to beat you or a mate that you were going to be with was going to be good or someone was going to be able to provide or your friend was going to be, you know, worthwhile. So detecting belief had to be a skill that we've developed. And I think we're very good at that. We know when someone inherently is confident or whether they're cocky and insecure, hiding something, Mm -hmm. you know, so our belief detection is really good. And I think so it's double. when you look at these competitors, because not only is their belief strong, but the other person across from them can detect that belief to a certain degree. And then that might start to shake their belief. If they're like, man, this motherfucker for sure believes he's going to kick my ass. Is my belief enough to believe that that's not going to happen? You know, so it's this kind of contest of, of course, both physically, but I think people are kind of measuring each other. And I think that's an advantage that, like, again, Conor McGregor has. I Mm -hmm. I really believe that he believes that he is going to kick that other person's ass. So the other person, when they're dealing with him, they're like, man, this motherfucker really believes this. You know, am I sure? Am I sure that I'm going to win? And then that starts to cause doubt. And that doubt creates this negative cascade. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating how that works, that the the, uh, other person
0: can kind of somehow or another sense your true state. Yeah. Somehow or another. You can put on the face of the confident person, but they can go, This motherfucker's bluffing. <laughs> right. I smell bluffing. Yeah. He's shaky. There's something going on. Yeah. You know, I feel that with audiences. Audiences know when your head's not there or mm-hmm. when you're not right. You could say the exact right words in the exact right order with or the exact right amount of pauses, but if your intent isn't there, if your mind isn't there it's like they don't they don't connect with it. It's yeah. just it's a form of hypnosis. I really think that stand up is some form of hypnosis.
1: Yeah, so they're belief detectors are active. Mm-hmm. If you don't really believe that you're in the pocket and you're and you're delivering it the right way, they'll they'll kinda they'll kinda sense that and, and that's what I'm kinda trying it to. And then the opposite of that is is fear because fear is a belief of some probability that some shit bad shit is gonna happen. You know, so it's almost like a negative belief mechanism. Of course there's danger and having, you know, danger is real. But the fear that's on top of that danger, you know, that is a, somewhat of a belief that some other bad shit is going to happen. And that's why it manifests. It's because it is a belief. It is a belief that something's going to happen. If you're afraid on stage that you're going to bomb, you know that fear will start to wend its way into yourself, and you'll create that because some part of you believes that's when it, that's what's going to happen. So it's almost like fear is the nocebo of regular everyday living, whereas belief is the placebo of everyday living. That's why it's so devastating when you think about people that you know talk about being
0: bullied. Like some some kids have go through have gone through like really horrific bullying episodes as children, and um, that those. When when you think about what's happening when you're getting bullied or you know, you're scared of someone in your neighborhood or you know There's someone who's harassing you or stalking you they Become it's almost like they become a virus in your mind Mm. Where someone like if you're in school and you have to get on that fucking bus and go and this big fucker is gonna smack you in the head Every day every and you're gonna be living in fear of this guy trying to figure out where he is that guy becomes like a virus in your head and and when you think of how meditation works, how meditation is sort of resetting you and clearing all of the programs that are in mm. there, clearing all the things that seem to be externally d- dictating behavior. When you're, when, you're, when you're fighting, especially when you're competing and someone's beating you at something, <laughs> especially if they're talking shit, they're kind of hypnotizing you. Totally. Because they're they're pr- planting their mind or their personality as a virus in your head, and then all of a sudden you are dealing with them like they're physically coming into your head mm. and fucking with your head. Well, you're not physically getting in their head at all. They just scored on you, you know. They're they're kicking your ass. They just leg kicked you, and they're like, "What, bitch?" And they pop you with a jab. You're like, "Fuck!" Yeah. Like you're not. You know, you're not in his head at all. No, he's fucking your belief
1: is getting stronger while yes. yours is getting weaker Yes, like you are you know? getting
0: hypnotized as you're getting fucked up. Yeah That's
1: fascinating when you think about that and it happens not only in the cage, but beforehand You know you see those people who've gotten in in someone else's head way early And I know? wonder if this
0: can be compared in some ways to the sense of loss we feel after relationships Because with some people there's a, a, a deep anger after relationships uh, end, people break up. Because not only do they feel this sense of loss, but they feel like you took something from them. Like you took like a happiness. Mm. You took something. You took because they kind of become a part of you. You kind of link up with each other in some sort of weird way. That's got to be similar to hypnosis in a way too in that, What's going on with all these things is the mind is far more malleable than we ever give it credit for being The personality is far more dependent upon whim and circumstance and influence than we ever really want it to be All these things are kind of playing out at the same time. It's not any one thing like so, th- these these rigid structures that we think of as this is well, his personality is like this. Well, he was totally different once he hooked up with her. Of course, that bitch bewitched him. She hypnotized yeah. him. But she did, you yeah. know. She like women can. Some women can do that to men, and some men can do that to women. They fucking turn them into a different person. It's like they bewitch you with their personality. You're getting sleepy, <laughs> sleepy. This yeah. dick is only for me. <laughs> you know, like people do shit like that to each other. You know, and. I think those this these connections of the mind are these like poorly understood interfaces that we have with each other these poorly understood connections and that we want to we want to just like sometimes we can't handle it we want to just get distance from all being one just give me get some distance I I have to take time off man I'm going to I'm going go on a vacation yeah. I got to so get so away just from other her. people aren't yeah.
1: influencing your sphere Yeah. With relationships I think it has a lot to do with attachment and identity. You know, you get with someone, and that becomes part of your identity. Mm-hmm. I'm so-and-so's husband. I'm so-and-so's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She's my girlfriend. My girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes this part part of you. You're your ego, your sense of identity, and you get attached to that because it's feeding you with something that you think you need, some validation. Maybe she's super hot and that helps you feel, it's, a, it's like a tricky little trap that helps you feel like, man, I'm the man. My girl is super hot. You know, so that part's inside you and then she leaves and you're like, shit, maybe I'm not the man because that's what was feeding you. Mm. But the key to that is you got to get to a state of almost invincibility yourself where you don't need anything from anybody or anything. You can, you're just free to enjoy it. That's just extra on top of it. You're know. You don't, you're not borrowing anything from them to make up your identity. You're just enjoying the shit out of them and adding more, piling it on top. So when they leave, you're not really at a loss of anything. It's just, all right, I don't get to experience that extra good thing anymore. Yeah,
0: most people don't see it that way because <laughs> no. they watch John Cusack movies and they want to stand outside a chick's fucking house with a boombox playing some song that you used to listen to before you banged.
1: Did you you have you heard that country <laughs> song? It's called Redneck Crazy. It's like no. the most it's like the most absurd song ever. It's like I'm gonna park outside of your window and shine my lights through your park outside of your house, shine my lights through your window, throw beer cans at your shadow you know, you broke the wrong heart, baby. You made me redneck crazy. Oh, God. and it's like playing on them. You'll oh, just hear people God. humming along and singing it. Oh, Jesus! I mean, Christ. it's amazing. Jamie, do you want to? Don't bring even that up?
0: please don't. Let's <laughs> pretend we didn't bring it up. It's
1: it's unbelievable to hear because it's, it's just a... patterning this crazy behavior that people have of this possession. That's my girl, and the fact that she's enjoying her life with someone else. I think the song even says, "Did you think I was gonna wish you well? I'm not that kind of man, baby," or something like that. Oh. You know, and it's like, whoa, but that's a worm that's in our consciousness that we're supposed to feel like you know, you took something from me. How dare you? I hope you're never happy again.
0: But how how about the balls to make a fucking song when you're talking about <laughs> harassing someone's right. daughter? Right. You know, because she doesn't want to fuck you anymore. Maybe you, that, look at that behavior and wonder why your personality sucks. Your <laughs> yeah. personality sucks. That's why she left in the first place, you asshole. Throw a beer can at her fucking house. How about you're, you grow up, baby?
1: Yeah, he, baby is exactly the word because she's so needy. He Ugh. needed what. She was going to provide him like
0: as if she stuck with him forever, right? She's stuck like
1: she can't do any better She yeah. wants to
0: improve her life. You're just, just drinking beer and hanging out by the lake. Fuck you, dude You know yeah, what yep. is this? The Here's the lyrics wish I knew how long it's been going on. Oh, she cheated on him. How long you've been getting some on the side. Well a little different uh, Now nah, he can't amount to much by the look of that little truck. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. He can't amount to much because he has a small vehicle. (laughs) Well, he won't be getting any sleep tonight. Oh, great. Okay. I'm going to lean my headlights into your bedroom windows, throw empty beer cans at both your shadows. I didn't come here to start a fight, but I'm up for anything tonight. Okay, what? You didn't come to start a fight? Right. What do you think's gonna happen? You mocked his truck. <laughs> okay, you asshole. You threw beer cans. You have a you have a fucking spotlight that you use to poach deer. <laughs> He's putting it through his window. You know you broke the wrong heart, baby, and drove me redneck crazy, redneck crazy. Do you think I'd wish you the best? Endless love and happiness. You know that's just not the kind of man I am. Yeah, I'm the kind that shows up at your house at three AM. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to lean my headlights into your bedroom <laughs> windows, throw a beer, blah, 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 redneck crazy, redneck crazy. There's the yeah.
1: chorus. Fuck. But that, I Dope. mean, and people, it's playing on pop radio because it strikes a chord, and I think some girls think, man, he really was into her. You know, he he really loved her because look at what he's doing on the other side. And that's just a that's just a tricky little trap that that's we got to
0: transcend. You the know? least of my concerns. My concerns is that there'll be guys <laughs> that listen to it and think it's okay oh, for to sure. act like that. For sure. If a girl is so silly that she's Things, all that. He just loves him. That's why he's all doing that shooting up the house shit. You think he really wants to shoot up his fucking house? He's just letting her know he loves her. There's, there's, there's women who grow up like that. They have a fucking black eye, and they're having this conversation to their kid with a Marlboro hanging out of their mouth. Listen, sugar, your dad and I have a very passionate relationship, and I push his buttons. And, you know, and he loves me. And if he didn't love me, he wouldn't fucking hit me. And I know that don't make sense to you right now, but someday it will.
1: Yeah that's it yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm this worried about. that's this old paradigm that it's is pattern yeah in right? in dire need of transcendence and the need is basically you know we have to be fully full i think don miguel ruiz makes the example of you know create enough self-love, enough self-satisfaction, enough inside yourself that you don't need anything from anybody else. Your kitchen is fully stocked, so you're not starving. You know, a lot of people, you stock your own kitchen with your own, you know, self-fulfillment, and then you don't need to eat any little burger that comes on the side of the road or some hot dog from a stand, whatever you can get because you're starving. You got plenty to eat, and that's, I think, the analogy that we need to have. We need to be full and whole. And we need to have standards as human beings that we accept
0: of ourselves like what you shouldn't accept from yourself Don't accept from yourself that you're the guy that's gonna be outside someone's house at 3 o'clock in the morning Shining a headlight through their fucking windows and throwing <laughs> beer cans don't accept that you're that guy You're not that you can't be that guy if you're that guy. No one's gonna come to you for advice No one's gonna take you seriously. You're you're a fucking dumbass. Yeah, you're a dumbass child who gives in to every whim It's like someone who comes after one stroke every time. I can't help it <laughs> Like you're a baby. You're a yeah. fucking baby. You learn some goddamn discipline. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you feel lonely. Yeah, you get depressed. Go on Tinder, stupid. Find <laughs> some more chicks. They're everywhere. Yeah. People want to fuck. They love it. That's why there's so many of us. What are you doing, man? You tell me you get this one chick. You can't get another chick. Go get another one, stupid. And he do, will, too. That's do, the thing. Do not have any friends. Do you <laughs> not have any friends. Anybody who talks you through it. And goes dude 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 come on let's go so what yeah you know, people get so goddamn connected when they date they get so fucking connected that they feel like you stole something from them you've been getting some pleasure from another entity i mm-hmm. ain't tolerating it i sent us bust up your sleep patterns I'm gonna fuck with your beta waves. I'm gonna kick your fucking REM sleep right in the dick. You fucked with me. You fucked with my sleep. I'm the type of fella that fucks with your sleep, back. Yeah, and that's what he's doing. He's a fucking baby. Yeah. It's like uh, my four-year-old and my six-year-old were having an argument today uh, because uh, my f- six-year-old was letting the four-year-old write on her paper for a while. But then she's like, write on your own paper. And she wrote a little bit more, and she's like, I said write on your own paper. And she wrote on her paper, and she tried to write on her, and they were going back and forth, writing on each other's papers, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Settle <laughs> the fuck down. Stop trying to hurt each other. This yeah. is not, this is not how you do with this, okay? Just, this, we got to learn how to communicate here. Mm-hmm. But they're four and six. They're not a fucking 30-year-old man with a pig truck, big old jacked up truck. Yeah, that- God, I, look, I saw his little <laughs> truck. He ain't got shit. He ain't a man. Kind of little ass truck. His fucking truck came from another country, too. <laughs> Goddamn driving a Toyota truck. What do yeah. you want, reliability?
1: Yeah, that's the process of growing up. It should be learning to transcend those initial feelings. Like, yeah, that's, that's of course reasonable when you're four and six. We're little monkeys in this yeah. crazy world. We're sorting shit out. But then yeah. as you get more practice at that, that should become more and more absurd with every passing year. If we
0: just committed to that, committed to not going after people and fucking with people's lives like showing up at someone's house three o'clock in the morning and shining your headlights and throw just commit to never going there never doing that kind of shit like never showing up at someone's house and starting a fight never just all that put all that aside the world will get like 90 percent better like instantly if everyone had a standard of behavior like I could we kind of trust that yeah people in this town They don't fight you just you talk things out most dudes in this town are rational imagine if you had a town like that You're mm-hmm. like whoa, 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 where is this place? Oh, it's just uh, straight outside of Seattle <laughs> This one town like everyone's cool like what that might be Colorado cool. But could you imagine it might be it might yeah. be like spreading out of Denver right now yeah. like a, the epicenter of the fucking cannabis nucleus <laughs> It is possible, right? If you could get a group of friends like we have, we have a group of like 15 dudes that I would give a million bucks to in a bag and never count it if they gave it back to me. There's like 15 of us. But for most people, it's hard to find fucking people like that. But if you had a town, if you had a town of 100 percenters, 100 percent down, 100 percent all, you know, just you could count on them for everything. They are who they
1: are. God damn, what a great town that would be. No one would ever get in fistfights. Yeah, and I think that's a big key of how to improve our situation, is maybe we won't be able to get the whole town, but we can start getting these tribes around us. Like you're saying, you have these 15 people. Yeah, they don't all live together, but through travel and through talking, you end up interacting with all these people anyways. So it kind of insulates you. You have your own tribe of these people that we trust impeccably and that can help improve our lives. And I think that's a major part that's missing. We're missing that sense of tribe where we would give absolutely anything. It's not like, oh, could I stay in your guest bedroom? Fucking of course you could stay yeah. in my guest bedroom. Like what don't even ask that silly question. You could do Anything that's mine is yours. That feeling that's innate to us, I think we're going to have to start trying to get that back because I think we need that. I mean, that's the kind of creature that we are.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, you know how Uriah Faber has it hooked up where he, he owns like a block? Yeah. He has like a bunch of, he's so smart. but dude is just so clever in a bunch of different ways. Very good businessman. Very clever in, you know, how he set himself up outside of the UFC. He has mm-hmm. a bunch of houses he flips and stuff. And he's, got, he's always got something going on. Owns real estate. But him and all these alpha male guys, the, that's their team, Team Alpha Male, is uh, one of the top-level, uh, high-level uh, gyms in the country, particularly for the lighter weight classes. Like, they have 135-pound champion T.J. Dillashaw, and there's a wealth of, like, real good talent in there, including guys you haven't even heard of yet that you will hear of soon. But the point being is he's got it set up where he can kind of do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, he has it set up where he's got – you know, he's got the housing business, he's got the gym he runs, he's got all these different
1: things going on at the same time. That's a, that's a pretty sweet place to be in. Of course. Well, he's got his tribe that actually lives yeah. right near him, which is obviously the best case scenario. You yeah, know, they're all living happens.
0: on one street. Yes. The houses that they all own, they just bought houses next to each other. That's so clever. Absolutely and nobody I think does that everybody no- says
1: they want to do that but nobody does that. nobody does and it's probably the single thing that would improve people's quality of life way more than the neighborhood or whatever yeah. other reasons they're living somewhere is being around the proximity of those people who enrich your life make it better well you know?
0: Uriah is a real leader you know and what he's figured out how to do there is to create this atmosphere first of all super supportive recruits guys recruited T.J. Dillashaw who's the champ in his weight class and then when they offered him a shot at T.J. recently he's like yeah you know what I'll fight Frankie Edgar at one forty-five. Let's let's have a fucking super fight. Let's get crazy. Yeah, you know you gotta love that, right? You gotta sure. love that he thinks like that. I just lo- I just love that setup of all the houses on a block.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's going to be possible for some. And I think that's great. And one of the great things about what he's done to really make tribe, you got to go back to ritual and these different bonding experiences that allow you to reach that level of trust, mm-hmm. you know, shared, shared suffering, you know, the people that you've been in, been in combat together, like Uriah and all those people. That says a lot, because at a certain point, there's a lot of ways to test people, you know, to a certain degree and go through something together. Obviously, physical exertion like that, like rolling with somebody, you learn a ton about them. Or doing a psychedelic experience with somebody. You know, you both drink a coffee cup full of ayahuasca, you're going to learn a lot about somebody mm. at that point. Same with all of these different rituals that have been developed. Put your hand in a, in a mitt full of bullet ants, you're going to learn a lot about a motherfucker, how he, what happens when that pain hits and it's overwhelming. You know and that those were key parts of these societies that we've lost and it mm. just kind of happens to certain people and you get this closeness you know and I think intentionally bringing that back is going to be really important as well as these new tribal units form well we
0: have education and and as far as Mathematics we have education as far as history. We have education as far as grammar and English and Language and literature and all these different things that we teach as standard in school, but we don't teach Men especially we don't teach men martial arts mm. And I think that martial arts just no having the ability to understand how to use your body to defend yourself psychologically alleviates so much pressure that some people just face and go through life with. They, they can't defend themselves. And the psychological relieving of that, I think, is an aid to en- enhancing and understanding other aspects of your life. Also, along the way, along way, while you're doing martial arts, you're doing something difficult. And it's, you push yourself very hard and you learn about, like, what are these, what are these feelings inside you that make you want to quit? when you know you can keep going. If the instructor goes, keep going, keep going, 30 seconds left. You're like doing a flurry on the bag and you just want to stop. Like if you were alone, you would stop, Mm -hmm. but you keep going. And then you understand that you can keep going. And then you understand, okay, well, if I can keep going here, I can keep going in a sparring session. If I can right. keep going in a sparring session, I can keep going in competition. I can count on myself to when I feel really fucking uncomfortable to hold it together because mm-hmm. I've experienced that state, I understand what it is, and I refuse to let the limiting negative aspects of that state affect my performance. I will do everything that my body's physically capable of doing and nothing less. I'm not going to sell it short with a weak mind, but until you've experienced that, it's very difficult to have any confidence in your ability to overwhelm uh, any sort of adversity, or overcome any yeah. sort of adversity, you don't really ever know if you can do it. So you're always going to have this weird thing, and the difference between men that I know that have experienced that and do it, you know, do difficult things, and even not even fighting stuff like the same piece you get out of dudes who are like ultra marathon runners, sure, guys they're who do triathletes, pushing through that resistance, they push through who they are. They understand who they are better than most yeah. people, and they're just a little bit more aware. So a little bit more aware. And I think especially martial arts does that because of the emotional aspect of the the, the training. It's so terrifying. Sparring's terrifying. All of it. But in getting through that, it like makes everything else brighter. Mm. It makes everything else lighter. It's like it gives you it gives you more freedom with your mind than if you're tussling with these ideas if you're t- tussling constantly with the fear of being like physically incapable of defending yourself. I think yeah. it's a massive
1: deficit. It's, it's kind that some of a it's kind of a, a perfect storm of two things because it's put, you're pushing through immense physical suffering at a certain point, which is incredibly valuable, plus immense fear. And a lot of other things have maybe one of the two, like marathon running, immense physical suffering, no fear. Big wave surfing, immense fear, no physical suffering, except maybe when you get crashed into some coral or something bad happens. Right. But, and those are good practices, but I think at what you're hitting on is that martial arts hits both, and so you have to transcend both. So you'll respond well in situations that are causing fear to come up, and you'll respond well in situations that are particularly challenging on the physical aspect of things. And it's almost like the opposite of that famous Musashi quote, which said, know the way broadly and you'll see it all things. Know the way narrowly, and you will be able to apply it broadly. You know, if you reach really great levels in something specific like that, you'll be able to use that for the rest of your life in everything. It's just I, I really think it should be
0: almost required almost required and you, it doesn't mean you have to be good at it Just do, do it to just to get your your state in a better place get mm. your mental state in a better place Especially jujitsu, I think you know, yeah, because you have no not, head yeah, trauma. Risk. No head trauma. Yeah, that's that's a big one Yeah, and it's just I just think people need to do difficult things and I think life is too goddamn easy yeah. It's too soft for most people as far as like character building, like character is only like built necessarily under pressure. It's very hard to build character, you know, when you're just a person who's won the lottery when you're three and you sat around all day eating cake. You just, yeah. where's your character? Like, why?
1: where is it coming from? Like You kind of have to go through some shit. And I think that's one of the issues with a lot of people in this kind of new age movement and this, the you know, hippies, if you want to call them or whatever your name for them, you know, might be the people in that consciousness movement let's say is that there you know that there's some part of you when you meet some of them who haven't really been tested where you think i see that you haven't really tested yourself under immense pressure mm. you know and that you get this kind of feeling like what happens if things really get shitty am i going to be able to count on you and trust you all of these things that you're proposing there are they all going to go to shit i have an inst- you know i have an instinct that they might and so I think everybody on both sides are are missing this kind of the dualism of having both of being able to reach, you know, high levels of consciousness, but also put yourself on a mat with someone who, you know, inevitably in 30 to five, 30 seconds to five minutes is going to choke you out, you know, like know that you're going to go through that and what that put, goes through your body. Being able to do both, I think, is the next wave. You know, too, t- too many times people are on the polarity of that. You know, they're mm. one or the other. They're either really good at, at the jujitsu side, but they haven't, you know, pushed through the realms of consciousness, either through kundalini or psychedelics or meditation or these other things. And conversely, on the other side, they haven't tasted what it's feel like to push through extreme fear and advers- adversity. Yeah, it's almost like your
0: your car... That you're driving through life Will work better If you like run it over more mountains It'll yeah. work better If you you know put it in danger It'll work better If you slam on the brakes more It'll work better Like that's this is what your vehicle is Like you're in, in, in this Compromising situation that we're in it's not compromise. It's amazing We're in the best spot ever as far as like human history like we have great medicine. We have great education Information is available to basically any human being can get a world-class education online but Because of everything being so easy to get food and easy to get a you know take care of yourself in comparison to how it was when you're fighting off predators you don't really use your body that much. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really, not a lot, not a lot's going on. Not a lot of stress on the brain as far as like death, life or death situations. There's not a lot of fleeing at full speed, running for your life, trying to get up a tree as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of that, you know, and that doesn't, that like sort of diminishes potential. Yeah. They did this thing on hunter gatherers and uh the difference between the bone structure of the hunter gatherer and the bone structure of the modern day man and they're they're looking at modern humans and like the deterioration of the mass of the bones and the hands are getting smaller and the tendons are getting weaker and like like we're we're, like we're becoming like those goddamn gray aliens i mean we're Mm. like slowly but surely going from what we think of as a caveman like just fucking gnarly those neanderthals especially they were like five-foot-five five, 200 plus pounds just tanks giant bones and fucking thick heads and shit and I mean they, they were they were out there huffing it every day and because we're not doing that everything is like feminizing everything is like thinning everything is like becoming weaker and weaker and
1: weaker and Then we're missing out on a key element of the magic of this fucking experience you yeah. know this turn in this dimension Part of the fun of it is feeling what the body can do and feeling yes. those feelings. And if, and if we turn into that gray alien type, we're going to be fucking bummed out. You yeah. know? I mean, I actually had a vision of that in my ayahuasca session, the last one that I went on, where the gray, this alien being came in. And, he was, and I was like, well, what's it like being an alien? Do you have anything to tell me? And because he was just chilling there. And he says, well, being human is very enviable. Because for us, you know, we have no physicality in our realm anymore. That's been, that's gone. And you get to experience everything. And he showed me these visions of exactly that. Like wrestling and fucking and eating crazy In meals. that order? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but everything that we get to do, all of the physical pleasures of this world, he's like, yeah, there's, you know, there's other pleasures of, of this other realm, this realm of pure consciousness, where... Everything is smooth. We're generally in a state of bliss, but we're missing the extremes of these physical pleasures. So human life is enviable. And to just discard that, say, nah, I'm not interested. We're fucking missing out, man. You're missing out on vitality. You know mm-hmm. that's something that,
0: especially people that don't exercise, they don't they don't take that into consideration when they dismiss it as being some e- ego propping device. Oh, what are you doing curls there? You're getting building up your quads, man. You're fucking smart. You know they like somehow or another try to diminish the um, the intelligence of what you're doing by pointing out. The, the the benefits of it mm. by like pointing out that your muscles are larger and stronger somehow you must be stupid Like you know, what I mean, it's like it's, right. a, it's an adorable thing that they do. It's like it's because it's so transparent It's so obvious like y- you're s- being so silly that you're going through life with that shit body That's what's really going on. Like, if you just exercise, like, pretty much everybody that exercises gets stronger. It really works. You know,
1: they've been doing it for
0: years. (laughs) Matt, just keep doing it, man. You just keep doing it, you get stronger. When you get stronger, your body works better. When your body works better, you do stuff easier. Well, it's
1: it's so clearly the ego just restructuring a Mm -hmm. value system so that they can be on top. Oh, what's important? Well, not this. That's actually a diminishment, so therefore... I'm on top and pretending that somehow or another
0: that if you are fit or if you are uh, if you're muscular or strong that somehow or another you must be diminished mentally because that energy that you put into getting those muscles You didn't you weren't studying and you want to go? I'm, well, are you studying all day you fuck are you studying 23 hours a day? You're not then you have an hour to go to the gym yeah. Just to go to the gym. It's not that hard. Like, you're talking about something that's not nearly as difficult as you're trying to pretend. You're pretending it's like a, a lifestyle 24-7 choice that you have to make, and you got to keep away from knowledge, and, you know, no, you could get just as smart. Yeah. You know, John Donaher, who's like one of the most brilliant people you're ever going to meet, a instructor from New York, he was, uh, he was a philosophy major. You know, and he was a bodybuilder at the same time. I mean, he was this big when he, he was like into powerlifting and shit when he first found jujitsu. And he took jujitsu because he wanted to have some skills in case he was in altercations as a bouncer because he was making a right. living doing that at night while he was a, a student. You know, so it's like this idea that somehow or another strength or masculinity—it—it's like it goes hand in hand with being an idiot. Like, yeah. it's it's hilarious that they've actually managed to somehow or another, and not they, like it's some concerted effort, but the weak f- souls amongst us that don't want to really look at themselves, honestly.
1: Yeah. Well, like, and then the meatheads have the same prejudices sure. on the other side. They think... Fucking oh, your dudes you're doing yoga woo woo bullshit. How many dicks you, know? you suck at yoga today? Yeah, exactly, so they have this same prejudice when really eventually, you know the wisest of us are just gonna drop all that and say hey, I want to fucking do it all yeah. because that's what's capable for the human being That's what we're here to do experience everything we can. Yeah, that's what we really should all be doing it's like this
0: idea that you have to be in one camp or another camp. Like we're way closer to each other than we like to think. And the moment we start looking at each other as like us or them. You know, like I've had conversations with with people, they find out that, you know, you voted Democrat, like, "Oh Christ, you're fucking one of them." Are oh, you mean to tell me?" And they like ramp up their voice like, "Whoa, dude. Yeah. Relax. Relax." You know, like we we're not necessarily in an argument here. You know, I guarantee you there's a lot of shit that I agree with that you agree with, too. Like, we're, we're probably a lot closer than you think on a lot of things. Well, you know who's the biggest fucking Muslim in this country is Obama. You ever get in those conversations? Like, of course, dude, I can't even talk to you about that. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. But, like, they think that you are the enemy. Like, you get roped into the enemy. And some, like, you get categorized. But if there was no Democrat and there was no Republican, there was no teams, there was just a bunch of stances and positions on on issues. That we would be we would all be way closer than, yeah. when, than you think. It's just when you vote when you have representatives and one is blue and one is red and you're playing some weird fucking like board game. Like what is this? There's a blue team and a red team. Do you know how fucking stupid that is? There's blue states and red states. Like the divisiveness of that, the almost almost something designed to keep people at odds with each other. Because yeah. if you looked at it in terms of just just the issues, then you could debate the issues individually on their own merit, and they wouldn't be attached. Like, pro-life is constantly attached to the right. You know, um, and there's certain gay rights constantly attached to the left you know uh healthcare reform left yeah. you know uh, finances anything finances anything that benefits business right
1: mm-hmm. you know it's it's hilarious it's so adorable <laughs> that
0: they've managed to pack package all this stuff. Well,
1: they're they're hacking into the dark side of tribalism. And mm-hmm. the dark side yes. of tribalism is when you have a group and fuck everybody else, because yes. they're trying to take what I have. And all of these setting up of these camps is like a mental hack into this instinctual quality that we developed. And you see it in even sports fans. You know, these hooligans, when w- their English soccer team in red wins or the blue one wins, that's their whole life. They're punching people. They're stabbing people. You, they're trampling people, whatever. This Crazy Identification with someone who's putting a ball in a net, but it's the tribalism aspect that that people are playing on and I think Politicians and everybody have kind of played to that when we realize when you level all of that Yeah, you can have your tribe, you know, and that's good But beware of the dark side, which is these are my people fuck everybody else Even the preppers kind of doomsday preppers have this kind of idea like I got this thing and fuck everybody else (laughs) Those people are
0: crazy That shit is not gonna work. They're gonna take (laughs) your shit. You know, everyone's gonna find out. They saw you on TV, dummy. They know where you have your pickles buried. Like what do you? What what kind of an asshole are you that prepares for the worst but shows everybody your house? Yeah, and this is where we have our ammo. Oh well, now I know where to get the ammo when the fucking zombie apocalypse hits. I just get into the garage and I got the ammo. And
1: then you decide which family with two kids comes knocking on your door. You put give the food to. It's just this kind of weird. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. It's this
1: kind of weird thing. Whereas I think seeing everybody as. That could be me in a different circumstance, mm-hmm. in a different way. That's me. Oh, that's me. That's me. That's a really cool practice to do, actually, that I've done as well. Go out to a beach somewhere and imagine yourself as each individual. Oh, that's me. I can see maybe where my thoughts have created this body type and this thing. And obviously you're just playing a game, but you're putting yourself actually in everybody's position and understanding they're not that fucking different. You know, They just had different genetics, different backgrounds, and different choices that they made. Yeah, I've I've talked about it on stage that I had uh,
0: this experience. I wrote about it. Um I I had this experience when my uh my first daughter was about to be born and I was in Hawaii and I was on a boat and I was super high and uh these dolphins were jumping around next to the boat and I was just I was I was on this insane edible. I was so far gone um that I had this like weird connection with these dolphins and I realized, like, how intelligent they were. And I, I thought, like, I wonder if they're like people. I wonder if, like, I lived a dolphin's life, I would be like a dolphin. Like, if you lived in that water, like, if you have, you think of you, who yeah. you are, and if you were in a dolphin's body, I wonder if you literally would be a dolphin. Then I thought about it, and I was like, what if that's how every human being is? That we're all exactly the same thing, but we're living through different biological filters, different life experiences, different genetics. But if you lived my life, you would be me. And if I lived your life, I would be you. And that mm-hmm. it's an illusion. And that's what the illusion of separateness is really all about. The, everyone's like, this is not an illusion, dude. This guy beat the shit out of me. I don't know him. He's not me. I'm not him. That guy's a dick. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people have that, oh, that girl fucking cut my hair. That is not me cutting my hair. Trust mm-hmm. me. We are not one. I'm going to fucking stab that hoe. You know? Like, But if you lived her life, like, that's where the illusion is. The illusion is that because we live these separate experiences, that. If we all had the agreement that we treat each other as if it was us living another life the world would instantly be better instantly if if we could pass that i mean everybody wants to pass there's all sorts of radical ideologies that people push there's all sorts of radical religions and behavior choices and all sorts of different things that people want other people to subscribe to and want other people to adhere to but if there's a really simple one, a really simple one that's almost a one-liner. Treat everybody as if it's you living another life. That's and it. if you did do that, if, you, if, you, if, if it turned out to be true, if we some fucking Nobel Prize winning egghead figured out in a laboratory that if like, you could literally take the essence of who is Aubrey Marcus and throw it in Jamie Vernon's body, you'd be Jamie, if you lived his life up until now. If they proved it mathematically. Sure.
1: And I, think, and I think that's possible. And what you're hitting on is, you know, I call it, so there's the golden rule. Do, yeah. do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Yeah. But I think there's the platinum rule, you know, which supersedes that, which very well might be do unto others because they are yourself, you know.
0: Motherfucker just rewrote the golden rule. Did you hear that? <laughs> that motherfucker just rewrote the golden rule. It's the platinum rule. Yeah. The fucking platinum rule is better than the golden rule. Yeah. Damn, dude, that's strong. That's a very strong statement, and you're totally dead on. Yeah. Treat them as if it's you. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, treat them
1: because it is you. Yeah, because it is. You know, it's you in a different life and a different filter and different biological (laughs) switches
0: that have been hit. I think that's why it's so hard to be around people that are falling apart. Um, I was at the comedy store the other night, and this woman who used to be a comedian, I don't think she's a comedian anymore, came around, and she was drunk and fucked up and confused and she hadn't done stand-up in a long time and she's probably like close to 60 now she's old as fuck but it just never worked out she's never she was like only an open micer like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. but she kind of would always kind of hang around still and uh to see her now you know it's 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 really hard to see someone like like she she would try to talk to us but no one could tell her anything and everyone's terrified she's gonna say hey can you know can you guys put me up some night put me up on right. your show you know everyone's terrified that she's gonna ask for some sort of comedy help you know but. You got to think like what does it feel like to be that person like what uh, what what synapses don't fire what life experience? Stunts your emotional mm-hmm. growth what puts you in a state of denial? What gives you these blinders that you can't realize the fact that the audience sees you in a way that you don't see yourself? So this is this comedy thing is never gonna work like you fucking you don't even know what you look like you don't know what you sound like you don't know how you behave and And then you see it like manifesting itself 20 plus years later in this disastrous wreck of of kind of crazy lady and you're like wow man that could have been me you know if i was born in her body i lived her life and you you take into consideration how how difficult it is to turn from that state and improve like, we almost give someone no chance. Yeah. Like, you never meet someone who's a total fucking loser at 40, and then you meet him at 45, and he's like the best guy
1: ever. <laughs> like, like, nobody does Mom- it. Momentum is a motherfucker. It's, it's a really motherfucker. hard to change. But when you have that attitude where you start looking at people, just as you said, that could be me, the only proper response is empathy. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, even if it's someone that perpetrates something against you, and this is, you know, a really challenging thing to do. Yeah. You know, you want to prevent that. If someone goes to fuck you up, then fuck them up. That's fine. That's your right to defend yourself and protect. But not do it out of anger. Do it out of, you know... Necessity. Out of necessity. And then the only feeling that you should have towards that is a feeling of pity. It's too bad that that person got to a place where they had to do that, where that was what their decision mechanism was. And it doesn't mean that you just accept it, but it means that that's really the only thing. But instead, we like to... You know keep up this illusion of separateness like fuck that guy and you we're know?
0: on shit Yeah, know.
1: exactly, but really I only ran. pity only pity and empathy really come from that And that's the that's a real state of, of bliss, you know like the Tibetan monks That's what they're meditating on all the time is getting to that state of empathy Well to get to that state of empathy just look at everybody like they're yourself, and that's the key way to get in there
0: Yeah Try try pushing that in the public school system <laughs> <laughs> That's those like one of the key tenants of the public school system. That would work, man. Yeah, it really would work. It's almost like a little, a simple key. It yeah, unlocks a totally different style start of doing.
1: Start doing little, you know, little things where it's like, what would you know? Put yourself in that other person's. like write from their perspective or i don't know what school drills you could do like write a story as this person your friend yeah you know and and then tell them what you know feel what it's like to go through that like live these other multiple lives and you'll have you'll understand that yeah you know that could be me and what and and it'll start to evaporate that from an early age i think putting in the school system is brilliant i think that's what needs to happen
0: yeah, there's a lot of things that need to happen with the school system, but that would it definitely help the way, if you, that was taught as a tenant in school instead of reading the fucking Pledge of Allegiance. Right. You know, I mean, to the republic for which it stands, stop. What does that mean? Do you guys know what that means? What does that mean? What does that mean? One nation under God? You know, that, that didn't even exist, kids, until the fucking Red Scare of the 1950s? He used to say, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. When we had to fight off the goddamn commies, we put in God under God, you fucks! I mean, most people think that that was, like, how this nation was founded. One nation under God. No, that that, that was in the 50s. When everybody was losing their fucking mind. And people were going on trial on a regular basis for being communists. They were blackballing people that, look... Think of the crazy shit that you and I have done, and think of if we were living in the 1950s. They Did you, in fact, go to the jungle of Peru, Mr. Marcus? And did you, yeah. in fact, imbibe in several toxic medicines... You would you would look like a fucking complete nut if they brought you into some sort of a court setting in the 1950s Sure, but back then you could even go to a communist meeting. You couldn't go like what is this about? Like what are you guys pushing? You're pushing com socialism and what does that mean like no, no one? You know you do whatever you want like do you get paid by the government like do you how do you contribute? Where's the money coming from like maybe just go and try to figure out what the fuck everyone's talking about mm-hmm. And especially amongst creative folk. I'm sure there's always been a lot of alternative thinkers whether Errant or on the right track sure. there's been a lot of weird people that think outside the box always so in the 1950s These guys are probably looking at communism and going okay Let's see look. I, I got my fucking my uh, fortune read by Dianetics once whatever I read, did one of those stress meters I said, okay, let me see what you got <laughs> right. what if I got on a list because of that man You know like this was this was what was going on when they put under God in our pledge of Allegiance. It was that kind of madness insane thinking they had to put
1: you know Yeah, well, these witch hunts have existed, and again, tapping into these old mechanisms, these fear responses, these tribalism instincts. And, you know, these witch hunts, we think, oh, the witch hunts are over. Well, at one point, they're called witch hunts because they were literally hunting witches, throwing them in the water, and seeing if they would swim, you know, and if they... Drowned then they weren't a witch if they swum they were a witch and even worse shit happened to them. So <laughs>
0: you're, you're
1: completely fucked either way They're right?
0: drowned they weren't a witch <laughs> so sorry about your kid Mr. Johnson yeah. I thought she was a witch yeah. it turns out she was just
1: a <laughs> shitty swimmer <laughs> Yeah, so that was the witch hunt but that's going on today and it's going on you know the area that we see it the most is in these psychedelic medicines You know people are being hunted for manipulating their own consciousness You know, even with scientific research coming back, that it's beneficial. They're being, you know, hunted down in these kind of crazy ways and thrown in cages for manipulating their own consciousness. It's crazy. Yeah, there's not too many people getting arrested and thrown in jail for
0: doing it. They're getting arrested and thrown in jail for selling it. But either way, you know, it's it's all stupid. You should be able to sell things that are good. It's really that simple. This yeah. idea of these people that are non experienced in these these states of mind, they don't they don't know really know what they're talking about from a personal level, dictating the legality of those experiences is ridiculous. And if those are the people that are locking you up, I'm I'm kind of on your side. Like yeah. you should be able to sell mushrooms. Did you grow it? Yeah, you should. You deserve some money. Did you grow tomatoes? Yeah, I'll pay you for those too. <laughs> right. I don't want to. Gr- I don't want have to grow my own. are people supposed to get it? Yeah. if people don't sell it. Well, what the fuck are we talking? He's a farmer. He's a fucking farmer of awesome shit. Yeah. I and mean, that's what a, a mushroom dealer is. He's a farmer of awesome shit. Yeah. He's not a drug dealer, you dunce. And you're you're subject to the whims of these people. And that's. The, the, the people that are willing to lock you in a cage in the first place. They're fools. Like, this is like the worst way to deal with someone who's doing something to alter their consciousness is to put them in a fucking cage. Like, this is the worst. You're gonna you yeah. think he was paranoid before, you know? <laughs> Imagine if you go to jail for weed, how fucking paranoid you get when you get high.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> it's preposterous. Imagine <laughs> if we were the owner of a, of a pretty smart pet. You know, let's say we had a pet chimpanzee. You know, it's a very smart pet. And the chimpanzee found something that reliably made him laugh his ass off and made him a better chimpanzee. You know, what kind of owner would we be if we took that chimp and then threw him in the worst conditions in the tiniest cage and took away his freedom for doing that? We'd think that person is a fucking despot. Call animal control. He's a fucking crazy person.
0: It's called law enforcement, Aubrey. <laughs> You're obviously not aware of what goes on there on the highways and byways of America's greats. I pledge of allegiance to the flag. Instead, I pledge to treat everybody as if it's me living another life. Yeah. If we started off every class like that, every every school, I mm-hmm. pledge to treat everybody I meet as if it's me living another life. That's if everybody it. adheres to that. Everybody across the board. God damn, that would be a better place. <laughs> Wouldn't be right. so much ferocious competition, now That would suck. Some fun shit happens when you don't like your opponent. I don't,
1: you know, <laughs> that's true, but I don't know that that, that has to go. You know? I mean, I think that you can look at that opponent like, all right, he's the motherfucking mountain that's going to bring the best out of me. You mm-hmm. know? And then so you're going to want to find that. Like, I loved it when Daniel Cormier said, I mean, obviously the fight wasn't that great, but he said, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for a man who's my equal. John Jones, be that man. You know yeah. that idea I think is embodies the beauty of what MMA can be mm-hmm. it's like finding somebody that'll push you to the point that you've never been pushed before and i think that'll still exist even in this state you'll just look at them like that could be me this is me no worries we'll see what we can do to bring the best out of each other yeah but not if you if you hate them it's better <laughs> it's better to watch it's richer when two people hate
0: each other it's better to watch it's richer you know? for sure and when there's some shit talking going on yeah. like we were talking about the chuck Del tito ortiz fight like When Chuck Lindell and Tito, they didn't like each other. There's a lot of bad blood So when Chuck beat up Tito, that roar was like extra juicy. Oh, you yeah. know It was extra crazy to watch because there was so much like when Ronda Rousey fought Misha Tate mm. And they went through that whole season the ultimate fighter together and fuck you and there's all this fucking Craziness and mm. all this anger and then Ronda beats her ass and gets her in an arm bar again after all that like you're like Wow, that was wild to watch. You know, you're watching something like super primal Like, you're not just watching it on a technical level where you watch two very high-level martial artists. Like, she was the first person to push her, you know, deep into the second and third round. I think she caught her in the fourth round, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. It was third or fourth. Um, But point being, like, they just didn't like each other, and that made it juicier. It 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 it
1: raises the emotional stakes, and I think that's also what's interesting, too. Mm -hmm. Like, how are they going to perform when the stakes are even this high and even this high and even this high? And when they hate each other, you know that... It just escalates things, Mm -hmm. you know, to an even higher degree. And that's, I think, why we even like watching the playoffs is it's not that somebody gets a little trophy and that's part of it. But it's, oh, now the stakes are higher. Now people are going to be crying after the game if they lose and they're going to be ecstatic if they win. Unlike the regular season where it's like, yeah, okay it's just a game. When the stakes get higher, it becomes more interesting because we're interested in the reaction that humans are going to have in these different scenarios. Yeah, we don't we wonder how we would fare, yeah. you know. I
0: remember uh being a kid and uh watching uh like boxing matches. And seeing, like, guys, like, get beat up against the ropes or something like that. And, and you know, you almost, like, f- see yourself moving. You're, like, trying to figure out, what should he do? He's got to get out of there. He's got to hit that guy. Like, but you don't really know how to fight. But you're still watching it. And you're just like, ah, ah. It's like you're putting yourself sort of in there in some way. You know, you're watching it. You want Not your, sure. you know, especially back then. I always had a guy. You know, I was, I was rooting for this guy. I was rooting for that guy. You know, you would always, like, boxing fans would always have, like, you'd have, like, a guy you'd pick. Like, I'm a Day La Hoya fan. Yeah. Fuck him, bro. Oh, who else this job? This is his Chavez and shit like people would have those those fucking guys that they would stick with and when your guys getting beat up or he's in trouble you're not appreciating it on a technical
1: level you're almost like oh uh-huh. you're almost like getting beat up yourself i remember one of the most terrifying moments i had cuz i i've done striking since i was little never that serious but i had a lot of instructors who were very complimentary early you know, so they had me believing that, man, oh, but you hit someone, they're done, son. You know, like, I had this kind of false belief, and obviously once I started sparring, I realized that that wasn't the case. But I had some, <laughs> I had some remnants of that that I was carrying, and then I saw Kimbo slice in one of these street fights, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. a bare-knuckle fight, and this other huge dude catches him with a left hook, and Kimbo just drops his hands and goes, Hit me again, motherfucker, hit me again. And just leans forward with his head, and the other dude hits him again and does nothing. Does nothing. He says, Now you're dead, motherfucker. And then (laughs) catches him with this uppercut and just blows up his face. Yeah. Exploded his face. And I was like, There's nothing I could do to that guy if he was that fired up and charging. And it was this terrifying moment where you realize what your boundaries are in the world. You know, like I couldn't hit him and knock him out. You know everything I'd been told was bullshit. There's no way I could do anything to that man
0: at that point Well physical size and structure is so giant and he actually knows how to fight too Mm. You know but physical size and structure is so fucking big so it's so so important When it's you know we look at in terms of its success in weight classes and the really big strong guys don't necessarily Tend to be the best guys in the weight class. It's about like whose body's optimized for that weight class yep. So you don't really want to be carrying around a lot of muscle, but if you are and someone's smaller than you it makes you better <laughs> <laughs> It makes you fucking bigger right. and stronger and everything works better It might not work as good against another guy who's 240 pounds. Who's like got a, a leaner body and better lungs, but you know Kimbo Slice is a goddamn giant human being who can punch people in the face all the time with no gloves on. (laughs) Yeah, Like, Jesus. He's fighting again, you know. He's fighting Ken Ken Shamrock.
1: He was a guy that, you know, I think never really fought to what his physical capability was. Like, his hardware had a certain potential, like the Mm -hmm. limits on it. Like, if you look at him like a computer, is, like, oh, it's got this much, you know, these attributes, this much remedy, this much memory, this much RAM, blah, blah, blah. But the software running it inside the cage, I felt like never optimized what, his gifts were you know mm. another one of those interesting things where it's psychologically. It didn't bring the best out of what his frame Could be
0: yeah, that's interesting man You know he had problems before he ever even got on the ultimate fighter with his knees his knees are pretty significantly diminished He has like serious like bone-on-bone like arthritis type conditions in his knees Yeah, and so like for him like grappling is an issue kicking's an issue mm-hmm. all those things are issues, you know and he, you know, he had a lifetime of sports, football, and you know, did a lot of uh, striking training. Obviously, all the over the years, man, chewed that shit up. Especially football. Football's brutal on the knees, man. Carrying
1: porn stars in and out of limos. That you know? happens. You know, Just he gotta had to do, do that. that a Just lot. Do that. Yeah, you know, they're a, probably like for him. Yeah, probably. He's
0: he's also ha- um, he's in a w- weird time. Like he might be like a little too late. For like all the rejuvenation shit that they're coming up with yep. right now, like they're 3D mapping meniscus. Have you seen this, Mm-mm. dude? They have some like it was some some article about how they're 3D mapping essentially what it looks like. It's like a scaffolding for meniscus, and there's certain proteins in this. They insert it into the space between your joint you know where your meniscus is which you know now when you get it scoped like I have my I had my left knee scoped a few years back like you don't get any extra padding back it's yeah. it like your padding's diminished now like the, the knee doesn't bother me it feels way better than when it was when it was fucked up but now what they're doing is they're just taking it all out and they're putting this this 3D thing that they they 3D print and with these proteins in it your body starts building meniscus inside this framework Somehow or another, I just—I might be totally butchering this, but essentially they have artificial meniscus for yeah. the first time ever. They, they, they really weren't able to fix that thing. There's actually two different solutions, I think, currently on the horizon.
1: But this knee meniscus generated with 3D implant, look at this, wow. you can so watch it's just, it. It's just a perfect fit. I mean, we're going to get to the point where our bodies are just like cars. You know, you can upgrade any system, you can change it out. And I think... The th- crazy thing that we alluded to there will come a point where I believe we'll be able to upload our consciousness into a brand new car You know yeah. and that will be the point of of immortality to a certain degree because you could just keep Creating these new cars and then create just upload your car. Con- oh shit. I fucking fucked this one up. I got cancer I crashed it. No worries. <laughs> Let me hop over into this other one. What know? if that's hell? What if that's hell? what if the what, what if
0: heaven is just getting over this body and, and and achieving the next state of consciousness, which yeah. is non-local, completely undependent upon your physical prison. But you were like, dude, you were just going to get out of jail and you decided to transfer your sentence to some cyber prison where you'll right. live in your own mind forever and ever and ever, <laughs> ever repeating yourself ad nauseum through space. Instead, you
1: could have been one with the great consciousness yeah. of the universe. Especially but... if no one who passed over to the other side could communicate. You know, they'd be just yelling from the other. Don't do it. Just yeah. die. You'll see. It's amazing. You get to start again. And you get to start again, anyways. And it's more awesome because you get this side and then that side. Who fucking knows, man? I'm I'm not totally
0: enthusiastic about the prospect of becoming one of those gray aliens, though. No, I've been <laughs> me neither. I've been uh, talking about that for years. About that. Simulation theory. That's the thing that I talked to this guy, Richard Terrell, who was from the JPL Laboratories Um, when I was doing that Joe Rogan Questions Everything show. And when you talk, for whatever reason, when you talk to like a serious, legitimate, working scientist, an actual, you know, doctor of science, and you talk to them about it, it just makes it seem like way more palatable than if you talk to Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. But when Duncan talks about it, it seems a little bit more sexy. But this guy, what he was saying essentially is that. It's it's basically inevitable that we're going to come up with some sort of an artificial reality that is indiscernible from the reality that we're currently enjoying. It's going to be artificial. We're going to create it. We're going to be totally manipulated. It's going to evolve over time. It's going to get better and better as the technology moves on and on. It's going to get to a point where it's you you, you literally not going to be able to tell the difference. And if that's the case, has that already happened? And if it has already happened, would you be able to be aware of it? What would you be if we had gotten past this? Well, if you go back to fucking gorillas, you look at gorillas, you look at lower primates, you look at these dick-swinging monkeys hanging out in Africa, you know, they're just swinging from tree to tree until somebody figured out how to become a person, right? Over all these years, however the hell it went. Um, Look at what they look like, look at a gorilla, and then look at a person. And look at the feminized person of the modern era, and then look at those goddamn aliens. It's Mm -hmm. almost like that's the archetype, like we know that's coming. Like, we know the big head, no mouth, you don't need to talk, You're, you wear permanent sunglasses because you fucked up the ozone layer, <laughs> you know, your skin is like some sort of a gray bulletproof material that we've, yeah. you know, you don't have any sex organs because you, you, you can experience any pleasurable kundalini yoga state in your mind anytime you want. Like, regular blowjobs are just not that exciting when you can, you know, travel from dimension to dimension. That might even be how they're arriving and going back and forth. But there might be a part of them that misses head. Mrs. Well, muscle Cars, Mrs. Look, obviously, whiskey.
1: obviously, the vision state, you don't know if it's real or in your mind, whatever. I don't even make that discernment. But when I was in that vision state and talking to them, they missed it. They missed you know, it. They missed it. We're lucky. We're in like, the right spot. Yeah. We got the honey hole. This That's is it. the Goldilocks zone. That's it. We get to access life. everything.
0: <laughs> we get to access everything, and we get there's a time where we're sort of working it out, like as mm-hmm. a culture, people are working it out. I think there's a lot of, st- like, the the in the working out there's like a lot of like, noise and chaos and shit that's going on i think tea party people and the fucking occupy people and the, the you know there's a lot of there's a lot of cult of personality and cult of ideology that's going along with a lot of these things but throughout all of it throughout people complaining about fat shaming and you know and uh, this all the the weird uber sensitivity that you see today the trend though all of it seems to be this like kind of like emerging understanding mm. of how we interact with each other. It's like so there's battles back and forth, there's waves, but like if you're looking at like what is this, when this All this water settles. What am I seeing here? What am I seeing here? I'm seeing an emerging understanding. Emerging understanding and along the way there's a lot of competing factions that want to be the most morally upstanding and take the high ground and be the one who is always there to call bullshit and the social justice warriors that are just looking to be mean so that they can prove to you the way to to live right. Like looking to find people who aren't living the way they're living and just shitting all over them and shame them into a a different way of thinking. All this is is just emerging. It's an emerging understanding. Of of what we are and the connectivity that we share yeah. and the, and the demands like when you see like these Black Lives Matter uh, marches and um, these protests these uh, p- people when walk around with these I can't breathe shirts they're 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 expanding this understanding of the reach of the upset people like this is not a, a minor thing that you can only you know vote about every 4 years this is something you can put a giant ripple in the entire culture right now by everybody just wearing a bunch of t-shirts that say something on it mm-hmm. and then everybody realizes like okay this is it's not just a social media trend it's not just a hashtag on twitter and facebook it's also like the 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 entire country like a big chunk of it collectively saying hey this is fucked up like we can we can do better, and oh, we can talk about this, and oh, you know we're connected in some fucking weird way now where we can kind of organize shit like this collectively, and you know there's no real leader, there's no real mm. leader of any of those moments, you know, but but people gravitate towards them, yeah, and so those things they all have that in common, they all have this like sh- this new connectivity thing in common, and, and I think that's that's really the trend.
1: And we're able to draw wisdom, pieces of wisdom from all different disciplines, you know, and that's been something cool that I've seen as I've gotten, you know, uh, the ability to reach more different people, experts in certain things, you know, will come in and add a little piece of understanding from their traditional scope where, you know, most people wouldn't even get to put that in part of their framework, you know, and you get to add that piece and add this piece over here. Like, you know, I can get a piece from Duncan about Buddhism. You know, and, and one of these great pieces that he added recently is the Buddhists have a name for that, that visceral feeling you get right before you do something bad and get angry at someone or, or, you know, that emotional. Well, the Buddhists have a name for that little feeling that comes up, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I've felt that little fucking thing that comes out. It's like this rush of energy right before you do something you know, you really know that you shouldn't do. Mm. And then so you add that little piece of understanding, aha, uh-huh, the name of that thing is this, so I can be more conscious of it and aware of it. And then I have another friend, you know, Ted, who studies the Christian texts and puts new meaning to what those things were before they were manipulated for power and kind of maneuvered and like, ah, okay, so he can add that. And then so you start to piece together this understanding where of course there's no leader, it's just led by, you know, truth and consciousness. And that's, I think, the next, the next wave is just finding what what's, feels real, what feels right, what you can use to make your life better.
0: Also, we just know there's so much information available today. I think it's easier to kind of get an understanding of what's tripping you up. You know, it's easier to get an understanding of, like, there's a lot of people that behave in a certain way like that Redneck song <laughs> that we're talking about. And they've been supporting that, and they've been like, hey, man, he had to do what he had to do. You know, he had to do what he had to do. You know what I'm saying? That's, you leave a man alone where well, he got to do what he got to do. And that sort of, like, that perpetuating that over and over and over again. Like, if you do that over a long period of time, like, it can ruin an entire area. Like, if a bunch of people think like that, like, oh, this area's polluted with this idea. (laughs) Right. Like, it gets polluted. Like, polluted with he got to do what he got to do. You know, like, there's areas of the country that for the longest time were polluted, where if you were in an interracial relationship, you couldn't walk down the street. If you walked down the street, you would risk physical attack because you had a black girlfriend or you had a white uh, girlfriend and you're a black guy or whatever. That was a a reality for a long time in the South. It's still a reality in some spots. Mm -hmm. There's places you go. There's weird places in Texas where you take a few left turns and you drive for a few hours. And all of a sudden, you're in this fucking weird place. And there's some people that don't have a whole lot of contact with the outside world. That's an outlier. That's like one of those weird bases that they would go to on Star Wars when they needed fuel. You know, like, "What, what the fuck are we doing out here? Like, let's get out of here. Get them. You know, that's literally where you are. You're in you're you're in a a, po- a colony, like some weird post that never caught on, and it's in the middle of some weird place, East Texas. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Those spots are still real, man. They're still real, and they're getting less real all the time. And I think, you know, the the big push is always just that human beings are constantly trying to improve. I mean, we're constantly trying to improve everything, and. We're going to try to improve culture and relations and understanding. And if you look at the way things are now, as opposed to the way they were just in the early 1900s, I mean, the the, the changes have pretty, been pretty fucking dramatic. From 1900 to 2015 is, you know, really. Massive. Nearly, but it's only 115 years. 115 years in the real world is like. God damn, that's a blink of an eye. That yeah. is a fucking blink of an eye.
1: If you tra- if you chart time versus change, it's it <sighs> takes this hockey stick curve way up because things are going so fast. But I think one point that you've made often is, you know, these conditions that are really fucked up, they have a reaction on the other side. You know, they form resistance that allows people to actually propel themselves even farther in the other direction. You know, it's like the action has a reaction. So the bias towards... You know the racial bias for example can actually potentially propel people the other side to make greater leaps in consciousness and understanding what we're talking about that we're all just ourselves living another life you know like these these conditions can create a positive response and I think that's kind of what we're seeing at this point
0: yeah and then the social justice warrior overreaction is really just a a, a reach yeah. it's like a comedian who makes a shitty joke or you know a. a it's, I mean, it's essentially the same kind of thing. It's like it's just missing the mark, you know I think there's a lot of white people especially when anything goes out wrong where they like are struggling to appear down You know and they'll sometimes be racist against white people in order to show that they love black people so much And they're not racist at all There's a bunch of people that I follow and I can't tell you who they are because then they'll know and they'll change their behavior And it'll affect my studies, but it's fascinating to, to see people, like, write racist stuff against white people and think it's okay. Like, you're allowed to generalize against white people. You know how fucking goofy that is? Like, I know a lot of really fucking cool white people. Yeah. And I know that's not popular to say. Like, for some reason, you're supposed to be embarrassed about being white. And if you are, you're definitely embarrassed of knowing white people that you like. You, know, you have to, like, talk about how many black people you know that you like. I know a lot of black people I like, too. But I also know a lot of awesome fucking white people and I think generalizing towards any fucking gender ethnicity right. whatever it's stupid I don't I'm not going to do it I'm not going to pretend
1: Yeah changing modifying any aspect of your behavior one way or another because of identification with the color of skin yeah. and genetics that is just perpetuating it you know even further that idea of separateness that my tribe your tribe so overcompensating is in itself a form of racism to a certain degree you know just be real, just treat people as fucking, as humans. Don't worry about overcompensating or compensating. And that's also in terms of sexism, because there's a lot of
0: men who uh, are sexist against men yeah they really are they're like they'll take a woman's side like automatically to be a white knight and that's one of the things that people hate on the internet they hate white knights people get crazy when they catch someone doing it when it's pretty obvious what they're doing when someone is not looking at the objective facts or the what okay what was really going on here what's the real story and they automatically aside with the woman's with the woman's take on things Mm -hmm. and when you see that especially when it gets revealed the woman's was full of shit later it's always so juicy and glorious i love following those fucking trails and watching it all play out it's just it's so bizarre it's so bizarre to watch that behavior that smeagol from the fucking lord of the rings like behavior and that's really what it's like there's something that they're doing they're like It's like you're distorting reality for your own benefit to try to appear that you're you're adhering to a higher moral standard Than those around you to make yourself look more desirable, right? It's really that simple and it's fucking gross and
1: people's you know at that point people's belief detectors That thing Mm -hmm. that we use to know when someone's faulty and cracked they start going haywire, you know gears start flying off You're like you're fucking up to something here. Yeah, this is not just you (laughs) And so the belief detectors go crazy
0: (laughs) Yeah It's the beta thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's okay to be beta. It's no, it's not, it's not, it's not good for you. (laughs) You don't have to be alpha either. I feel like there's a state of acceptance, you know, that you should probably achieve instead of either or, you know, just being what, being
1: what you're capable of being. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't have to try to be alpha.
1: There's this one quote that I've been kind of stuck on recently and it, it, you know, pertains to. You know, starting right now at this point, and it's from William Butler Yeats, and he said, "Do not wait to strike till the iron is hot, but make the iron hot by striking." And that guy doesn't know how irons work. <laughs> that guy's an idiot. You got to throw. It doesn't work that way. You got to
0: throw the iron in there. The fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> These fucking he might poets not, he might that have, have never worked blacksmith. as a blacksmith, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But you know he's a poet. <laughs> he is a poet. He's just being silly. He's a silly boy. He's never hit anything. <laughs> Strike. Make the iron hot. It doesn't work that way. Well, things do get hot when you smash them. You'd have to fucking be really (laughs)
1: ineffective with your striking. Yeah. (laughs) Truth. (laughs) We've we've dismantled Uh, Butler Yeats as a a blacksmith. But but the idea is, (laughs) you know, just fucking go at it by start. Just start doing it. You know. I mean, we're talking all this philosophy about Mm -hmm. what you can, and that may seem out of reach to people. Like, oh, how am I going to do that? How would I? How would I? You know, do martial arts? I've never even come close to that. Well. You just do it. You don't wait for this perfect opportunity when job and money and everything aligns and you read your fucking horoscope in the paper and it says you're going to try new things this day and everything is just perfect. Just do it. Just go out there. Do a little bit. Dude, Anthony Bourdain started jujitsu at 58.
0: 58. No athletic background. Used to do heroin. (laughs) Smoked cigarettes five years ago. I mean, this guy started jujitsu at 50 fucking eight years old. Now he does it every day. He does it like two hours a day. He has a private lesson every day and takes a class every day. Like, what the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. He takes a class, then he works on all the shit he did wrong with, a, with an instructor, and the guy goes over positions with him. Yeah, anybody... You can do things, okay? That's it. As long as, you, you know, you can figure out a way to finance it. You know, and if you're not, well, there's, uh, every, uh, well, what do I do? That's that's the problem. You're on your own path, fuckface. I might be you living another life, but in your life, you gotta get your own shit together. I don't have time to figure out what you should do, okay? That's what you're supposed to do, and I don't know you, dude. That's the other problem. You know, you can't give anybody advice, because you know, like if you've, you're talking to someone and they want to be a lounge singer and they sound like shit, and you go well. First of all, lounge singing—I don't know if there's a future in that. And second of all, dude, your voice is dog shit. I don't know what to tell you. Like that guy's got to figure out how to make his voice good. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. He's got to revive lounge singing. So he's got to fucking you, you can't give everyone advice. But what you can do is have these kind of conversations. Be really honest about what's worked and what hasn't worked for you and point out all the shit that you're noticing in this crazy world. That's what we've been able to do. That's what most folks that are online that are tuned into the world have been able to do with information and news and, and, and just discussion that that's going on now and that really hasn 't ever taken place like this before amongst people, where people are like debating issues all across the country, and whether it 's fucking Obamacare or whether it 's the fucking uh, uh, invasion of Persia, whatever the fuck it is isn 't even a country anymore is it you know what i 'm saying anything that 's going on in the world. The, the, the ability to discuss, to write blogs, to discuss it, to have people, like, re, leaving comments on those blogs, to have people writing tweets, responding to those tweets, those tweets becoming articles, let's debate the merits of this tweet, and these, this is like, w- w- whether it's right or wrong, whether it's ideologically driven, whether it's honest or ma- ma- manipulated, it's a weird exchange, there's an, excha- there's an exchange of data that's going on now, in this really weird state, that I, I think we're just so caught up in it, that We're not realizing how much is changing. Yeah, like, well, like you're not supposed to say retard anymore. You know that? Yeah, they're slowly but surely closing in on all the words that might potentially hurt people's feelings You're not supposed to say you know all the 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 standard ones yeah. right like fag You're not supposed to say the any any racial slurs those are all out the window. Those are getting m- uh, removed from our culture like, o- over a period
1: way quicker than it's ever happened before. They're going at it the wrong way They're saying these things can hurt you. So they're telling people that they're vulnerable You're vulnerable so because these things can hurt you So we're gonna remove these things whereas really the message should be that you're fucking invincible That word can't hurt you unless you let that word hurt you You know you have the right of your own sovereignty of how you feel about yourself that Someone saying a word shouldn't make you feel any different way. Oh, that's interesting. You feel that way. I'm sorry that you're in a state that you have that much anger and prejudice that you feel that way but it doesn't affect you. Listen to you, you. Richard Gere. That's the way that that we got to do it, not remove all of these potential things that can hurt you. Just tell people, hey, motherfucker, you're invincible as far as your emotional state if you want to be. Also, it's really, you, you make a person
0: more vulnerable when you make words taboo. You make those words have more power, whether those words are racial, whether they're about gender or sexual orientation, whatever the slurs are, you make them way more powerful when you make them taboo. You know, if you call someone a fucker. Like that. If that hurts your feelings, we can't talk. Like, hey, fucker, come on, man. Like, if you know, like, if 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 someone uh, does something and uh, knocks a drink over on your lap, like, hey, fucker, what up, man? You're like, if you can't say that to someone, you can't be friends with that person. Right. You can't. They're They're too goddamn sensitive. But if a guy spilled a drink in your lap and he was gay and you're like, you faggot, like, whoa, everybody just dropped their drinks at the bar. What did he say? Did you hear the noise he made? What is the noise that came out of his mouth? Was it F-A-G-G-O-T? Wow, I can't believe he made that noise. What is his intent? What is really going on in his head? Does he not know that's a taboo word? Like everybody just shuffles out of the party. Well, I guess this fucking party's over. And people leave. Like there's certain circles where if you did something like that, just even as a joke, you would automatically get ostracized. You would automatically Mm -hmm. get like... So, is that smart? To give a word that much power? No. But are they onto something that you shouldn't be the type of person that wants to use that word in a negative way? Mm-hmm. Yes, but are they not onto something because they forget about humor? And one of the beautiful things about humor is you say shit you don't really mean because it's a funny thing to do It's it's what's funny about it is that you know someone doesn't really mean it like calling your gay friend a faggot because he spilled his drink on you It's funny. We would all yeah. laugh if we were hanging around with Justin Martindale and he spilled a drink in my lap I wouldn't do. I wouldn't say that. I would never call him a faggot. But if Jamie did, because Jamie's that kind of guy. He's from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> that's how they are out there. They just, they got faggot Tourettes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, if if anybody has a problem with that, like you'd either either think that Jamie's really capable of being homophobic. In, a, in using a slur to like he hates you so much that a simple act of of, of, of lack of coordination and, and an accidental spilt beverage leads to this fucking unleashing of these horrible phrases at you come
1: on well, it's like, you know, you're a parent, and when you have a kid, and if they do something like they fall down and they kind of bump their knee or something, if, if you go, oh, my God, what did you do? Are you okay? They're going to think their injury is way fucking worse. Yeah. They're going to freak out, like, oh, my God, you're freaked out. My belief detector is saying that you believe something terrible is happening, so something terrible is happening. Whereas if you're like, you're all right, get up, it's all good, you know, yeah. dust it off, they'll be like, oh, okay. Maybe they'll cry a little bit, but they'll feel okay about it. And what we're doing in society is we're saying, oh, my God, he said, faggot. Oh, my God. It's telling that person that... We believe that this is really hurting you So it's actually causing the antithesis of what the goal is Mm where it should be say say whatever the fuck you want Doesn't fucking matter. You know, you shouldn't be the kind of person that's saying it maliciously. Yes You know, and that's and that's the other part of what we've been talking about But if no matter what is said it doesn't matter You're a human being and your psyche is made of diamonds and the world is full of fucking pillows like that's it. Whoa Strong words.
0: <laughs> um, I, I, I see their point. I see wanting to never be around someone who drops n-bombs, you know, and, and wanting to not be around someone who's prejudiced against someone. Sure, because, because it's the consciousness that's yes.
1: that's the problem. It's mm-hmm. not the words. We're looking too downstream. We're trying to yeah. look at these downstream effects, but really the problem there is you're with an unconscious person who fails to see the platinum rule, which is we're all the same fucking person. Yeah, and the, the real... The real attention should be focused
0: on enhancing our our understanding of each other, our en- enhancing our understanding of our our true connectivity, and mm-hmm. not of demonizing the noises that you make <laughs> on totally. your face. Totally, that's silly thinking. It's like short sighted thinking. It's like I I appreciate your horror in the expression of racism, but I don't. I just think that the the best way to approach it is to first of all lead by example, be someone who's you, you would want to imitate, you know, be someone who you'd want to imitate. It's a it's a, a great way to overcome a, a lot of things, uh, like, as far as, like, the way people interact with you. Everyone, is intera- everyone who interacts with anybody is always influenced by someone's success or failure. I mean, I never did coke because I was around people who did coke and their lives fell apart. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, keep away from coke. But I've been around people who are like really hard workers and really disciplined, and I get excited by them. Mm-hmm. I get I get stimulated, you know, and I think we're we're entirely We're way more Way more dependent upon the atmosphere of others and the 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 inspiration of others than we like to pretend we're way more way more and I think that one of the the bad things about short-sighted like black and white issues and I don't mean black and white in a literal sense I mean as far as um, like someone uh, n- never using a word. You can never use that word. It's like, well, the, the human mind is capable of a lot of different subtleties and variations. And when you're talking about language especially, you're dealing with a lot of subtlety. You're dealing with like some really funny things that go on with people. And some of those funny things make personalities exciting. Like Neil Brennan had this fucking hilarious joke where he, was, uh, he used to do this thing all the time with his friends in New York, where uh, he would go, uh, what's, uh, what's going on with the weather today? And they'd go, oh man, it's snow. And he'd go, fucking niggers. (laughs) And if anybody knows Neil Brennan, he's like one of the least racist human beings you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, he has a podcast that's all about interviewing successful black people. Him and Moshe Kasher have that podcast, The Champs, where almost all of it is like successful black artists, successful black athletes. Like, he's not racist in the least. He might hate white people, you know, but he's funny. You know, and that's what funny people do when you know they're not racist, and it's hilarious. You know, you laugh because you know him and you know me, and it's like, it's funny. You know, he, so he was the fucking co-creator of The
1: Chappelle Show. I mean, yeah. he's not racist. Well, he's just pointing, a, he's pointing out, and that's what a lot of humor does. It points out things that we're not aware of. Like, this is how ridiculous some of the scapegoatism that we use. Oh, it's because, and people have used, oh, it's the Jews, it's the blacks, yeah. it's blah, blah, blah. It shows how ridiculous. The snow is completely unrelated. Right. And so that's why it's funny. It's like, it's funny because that's happened before all the time.
0: Right. It's, it's obviously a huge exaggeration of an yeah. idiot. But yeah. it's it's hilarious, but that's that's the problem with eliminating words You know you eliminate word. you say he should never be able to say that Like, come on that moment that we just laughed I should never do I have to say the n-bomb You know he said fucking n-bombs like come on really is that what we're doing? That's silly. That's silly There's, It's intent is the most critical aspect of human beings communicating with each other What are you trying to get through? What What is your intent? What are you trying to say like? Oftentimes, like you'll hear people speak in political terms or in very measured terms, and instead of making you feel calm, it actually makes you uneasy. He's mm-hmm. like, "Oh God, I don't even know what the fuck this guy really feels." Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting this PC or this, uh, or, 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 um, um, uh, publicist's version of who this person's thoughts or who the, who this guy's uh,
1: what this guy's thoughts really are. I'm not getting the the true emotion. The fact that we have to judge our politicians based on these really practice staged events rather than real adversity, you know, like that's where we should be able to judge our politicians. What happens when they're rolling for two hours and they're getting their ass kicked? Like, how do they respond after Mm -hmm. that? What happens when they do a psychedelic? What happens when they do this thing? That's how we should judge the character, the people who are leading. And back when... These politicians emerged from amongst the people they emerged because people understood that like that's a bad motherfucker He can mm-hmm. handle it. if shit goes wrong. I'm you know I'm, I'm going to his house and, and that are. guy was the leader back then, but now it's not yeah Now
0: it's just who's better at those fake speeches. Yeah, it's hilarious I think you know we, we almost har- harp on psychedelics too much, but that's because we've done them <laughs> That's the problem people who people haven't done them like these guys are idiots. They're just talking about do Oh, yeah drugs are the solution well, it's a fucking, it's a goddamn shortcut. I'll tell yeah, you that. That's exactly it's right. It's a goddamn giant shortcut. But I think that if we did have some sort of an experience, where even if it's just a physical trial, Like, if you had to watch them, you know, go through a mud race together, you know, how would they they push each other away? Do they concentrate on their own performance? Do they try to hold people down? Like, look, 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 Al Gore's grabbing his shoelaces. He's untying the guy's shoes. You know what I mean? Like, if you saw them do... You saw their character emerge. Character under adversity. Some form of it, some form of competition. You know, it it would be fascinating to see how these guys performed. You know, I think when you hear, like... Bill Clinton, who I think is a very intelligent guy, says he he would do these talks where he would talk about the difference between what the Democrats have done, and the Republicans have done, and it was very like team-based. We did this. we lured the deficit. We did this, we did that, we did. They haven't been able to do it since. It's like us and them, and they and us, and it's it, it like. Constantly talks about this team thing that's going on you realize like he's in this weird competition with these people Mm -hmm. You know like this is like he's like gloating and you know He's looking at the scoreboard. We're number one. We're number one I mean that's essentially what you're doing and if you want to get elected in this country and under Especially those conditions back then maybe not as much now, but you know, it's kind of morphing in some weird place now That's what you had to do you had to have that mindset so that was the game the game's not that anymore. No. The game is the goddamn internet. Yep. The internet is the portal of consciousness, the portal of information. It's the portal of connectivity in a way that just didn't exist before. So these fucking guys are there. My fellow Americans. Like, come on, man. Like, that shit is not going to keep flying. Mm-hmm. There's going to come a port in, point in time where we want to watch you go to the jungle. How yeah. do you deal with mosquitoes when you're high as fuck? You know? Right. <laughs> like what? Do you, I want to see what happens if you eat some mushrooms and sit in a quiet room by yourself. I want to see, see what goes on in your mind when you eat a pot cookie and you think you're going to die and then you climb into an isolation tank. I want to know what the fuck goes on in there, man. What, what kind of thoughts about your high school did you have? Like, what did you, how do you feel about yourself now? Like, what do you, do you, are you happy with the momentum that you've created? Would you like to trim back some of these fucking, some of these roads that you've got? Travel on what would you like to do like would Do you do you know who you are right now? Or are you a product of the momentum of your past and I'm not sure mm. it's hard to tell you gotta see someone struggle You That's gotta the see them. That's the key 30 yeah. seconds 30 seconds. Keep going <sighs> <sighs> Okay, my feet hurt. <laughs> I got some gout something wrong with my balls You know like you're gonna yeah. see you're gonna see who they really are other than that that nice person in that nice suit with the perfect smile.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the direction that things are going, you know, and I'm encouraged by that. I think, you know, the Internet's already gotten rid of a lot of the hypocrisy because things get found out. Yeah. You know, the transparency is increased. But as consciousness increases, I think the demand for a conscious leader will become overwhelming and only when the demand for a conscious leader is there will one emerge and actually succeed so you know instead of focusing on the politicians let's just focus on raising consciousness everywhere so that the demand is so high that one will emerge to meet that demand
0: it's also we're in a situation where as far as education goes as far as the the roads as far as like food you no know, food comes in. We're dealing with like these structures that are already there. They're already there and people seek to improve them. They seek to improve the, the prison structures and the jail sentencing, you know, all the, the different bullshit that people hate about police brutality. They see- seek to improve those structures instead of like trying a new one, like from scratch. And that's what I think. Like when you see something like Waco, Texas, Waco's obviously a bad idea. What they did, the Vidian complex, they stocked up weapons, they were shooting at the Feds, and they were, like, some wild Texans running a cult. The guy was banging everybody's wife, allegedly. Yeah. You know, that's how it goes when it goes wrong. But, but the idea of creating a community, like organizing and engineering a community with resources, including security, is uh, is a dangerous thought. Like you, people go, "Hey, hey, what are you trying to do?" you trying to start your own army? No, we just have guns in case somebody fucks with us. Uh Oh, that sounds like an army to me. Well, aren't we allowed to defend ourselves individually? Individually, you can have your own weapon that you can use as a home security device. But what you can't do is get together with others and patrol your neighborhood as a home security patrol. And then a home security, we well, have a neighborhood patrol. We decided to have a citywide security team. That sounds like an army boy. Well, we do have bulletproof tanks and laser <laughs> beams, but it's just to kill bad guys. Like, no, 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 yeah, no. That's yeah, yeah. our job, you fuck. You're getting in on the government's territory. And then they'll come down. The feds will b- fucking jackbooted thugs kicking your door, flamethrower your kids, and start from scratch. Like, look, we told you no compounds, yeah. no high fences. No, but no no more than 30 people with guns that live under one roof. You just can't do it It's a fascinating idea But I think that you're gonna see there's a town in Texas that I talked about this the other day And people actually got upset about that I talked about it They fired the cops in 2012 hired a public or a private company to patrol the streets crime went down by 61% the cops have no uh, no financial vested interest in writing tickets like they don't have quotas that they have to meet, mm-hmm. so they don't harass people nearly as much, and they actually patrol areas where there's crime, and that reduces crime. Go figure. And people are like, "Yeah, hey, man, it sounds like we're talking about fascists and we're talking about private police and security teams are going to fucking they're going to be FEMA camps everywhere." You look. Or they're like every other business, oh, yeah. and they become accountable for their actions in a way where you know you fire them. <laughs> And you hire a new team, you know, you just don't get locked into any ridiculous 30-year agreement with some police department. Instead, like, have a security team that is is, is beneficial to the community, and and people can maybe be a part of that security team that are in the community. That would be crazy, huh? have actually people in the community patrolling the community and getting paid by the community to do that. A lot of unemployed people that might make good cops. And you could do all this shit in, in, a, in a in a way where it's profitable without having all these goddamn quotas that these people have to meet and these weird pressures that are on people that are in law yeah.
1: enforcement. The more we can decentralize the, the structures, you know, go from federal rules to state rules. We've already seen the benefits of that in a state like Colorado, when they're able to make their own rules, you mm-hmm. know. That's great, and then from there, if you go back even to where the towns can decide, you know what the town should do. And as the smaller you get, the more opportunity you have for these great situations to develop. Yeah. And I think one of the paradigm cases, I read this book called *The Fifth Sacred Thing*, and it shows what happens when a utopian society clashes with the dystopian society. It's a it's a fiction novel, but the really cool part is seeing what. The utopian structure looks like like what a model of a totally cool place to live would be if everything from the family structure to the rules to how they decide things to how they defend themselves to how everything works what they celebrate what the rituals are amongst that. And it's cool to be able to look at that and say, you know, that's possible. We just have to allow you know, people to gather and create their own situation if they want to. It doesn't always have to go where the owner, it's all top down and the owner fucks all the teenage girls. Just because (laughs) that's happened time and time again doesn't mean that it has to
0: happen that way. I think it's likely to happen less now that it's ever happened before. And I also don't think that it has to be centrally located. And I think that one of the Mm -hmm. things that we're... Experiencing with um, this exchange of information on the internet is you're finding a lot of like minded people that are also trying to improve themselves. They're also being super honest about who they are, who they were, trying to improve themselves, and they get inspiration from other people like you or like anybody else that's out there that is also on that same path of self improvement and honesty. And I think we find each other cyberly. I think we don't even necessarily have to live on Uriah Faber's block. (laughs) I I I think what he's got is pretty sweet. (laughs) That's probably the ideal way to do it. But if it's not available, it's also happening whether you like it or not. It's happening throughout the world. I experiencing that. I experience that at, at these shows. These stand-up shows, you meet these people that, are, dude, I lost 150 pounds, like whoa, and you like changed my life. I started doing this, I started doing that. I eat kale. I fucking I got a kettlebell in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you, you meet these fucking people, and you realize like there's a lot of folks out there that are also trying to, they're, they're they're trying to better themselves, and they're trying to like tune into that vibe, and they're finding other people like that online that are trying to tune into that that vibe of we're all figuring this out, man. No one's yeah. perfect. No one's got a lock on this crazy life. You know, spend less time pointing fingers at other people and shaming them for, you know, making a fat joke and more time getting your own shit together and we'll have a way better spot to hang out in. Yeah. We will all have a way better spot like across across the globe. And I think that's happening, man. People say I'm too optimistic, but man, I don't know. I I see it. I see it in action. I see it at these shows. I see it all the
1: time. I agree. What's happening that I I see is you have your nuclear tribe, those 15 people you say that you could give them a million dollars and never even blink an eye. You wouldn't even get nervous about it, you know? And and so you start to develop these nuclear tribes, and then getting gatherings together, you know, I think is another important thing. Like say, hey, everybody, let's all meet for these five days and hang out and have fun. And, and I think that'll be a cool aspect of consciously bringing into that. But then you have like the mega tribe beyond the nuclear tribe. And that's like all the people listening to the show where, you know, they're sharing a certain sentiment. So it's not like you're per- total strangers when you meet there's a part of you that's already connected. And, like, you see that at Burning Man, you know? The mere fact that they're at Burning Man means that they subscribe to a certain amount of beliefs, generally. Of course, there's probably some outliers, but generally you can meet someone there and know, like... All right, you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be cool with me. You're not yeah. gonna call me a dick, you know. Hopefully. Hopefully. You got to be in a bad patch of Burning Man, a <laughs> r- rogue community,
0: yeah, of dirty sandals. But they hippies. would feel
1: themselves, you know, they would feel weird in that because yeah. the whole collective would end up trying to force them out, like yeah. pus in the skin. It would become a pimple that would eventually pop and bail the fuck out of there, you know. The, the collective organism would reject it.
0: Yeah, and I think the things like Burning Man and the the growth of that, which is so big, it gets sold out every year like in advance. Yeah. It's like it's letting there's there's a giant community of people that also would like to go to Burning Man but can't make it there. Yeah. You know, they might have obligations or family or whatever they have to do, but they want to go there, but certain rea- like it's not Mecca goddamn. I don't have to fucking <laughs> yeah, no. go around that it's square nothing. and touch there's it in the road. It's nowhere. A it's
1: a nowhere place yeah. in the desert. It's literally nothing there. Well, that's why our,
0: it's a good spot to go cuz nobody <laughs> yeah. fucks With you, yeah. But really, it'd be way better if we did it in Hawaii, folks. Let's let's fucking all go to Maui, man. Maui's way better than the desert. Yeah, totally. You know, but they would get mad, dirty hippies. Well, you got to you
1: got to wear dust masks when you're out there. But I think the point you're making is: take your 15 people and have your own little Burning Man, Mm -hmm. where you all bring stuff, you all share stuff, you don't worry about who's paying for what, everybody's contributing, you're all hanging out. And experience that together in your own way. You don't need to go to Black Rock, Nevada to do that. You can go to, you know, the fucking camping somewhere out in the... Put up some tents and just hang, you know? Yeah, but what Burning Man seems to be is like a bat signal. Someone throws up and they all <laughs> right. meet there. You know? Right. It's, it's like... the super tribe meeting. It's what the yeah. Aborigines did at Uluru at Ayers Rock. You know, like every once in a while you go to this one fucking spot and it's five days of crazy dream time and didgeridoos <laughs> echoing through the whole place. And it's a celebration. And then you go back to your smaller units. Let your freak flag fly. <laughs> yeah. How about we do
0: this? How about we? I've been thinking about this, and you've been thinking about this too, about us getting a ranch in Texas. If I'm we there. got, if we got a ranch in Texas, okay. If we got like a, a hunting ranch in Texas that we also had yearly psychedelic rituals. First of all, how quick would we get co-opted by the feds? <laughs> 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 they're, 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 they're like, there's a fucking desk just got assigned to it right now. <laughs> McCarthy, you're on this. Listen to this fucking stream channel. These fucking hippies. <laughs> Yeah. You do that like, you know, have like a the, a virgin a version rather of Burning Man at a, at a ranch yeah, sure. in Texas. It's I mean it, it's definitely feasible. Screen people though. You got to screen oh, for sure. Out. For you sure. Hire is- anonymous to crawl up their <laughs> house. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: get those folks from the black internet. Is that what it's called? The dark internet? Sorry. Well, if I mean, we just picked a spot, it doesn't even have to be a place that we own, so there's no liability. That's the a good place. move. If we Anonymous. just pick, we just pick a spot somewhere, and we say, "Hey, all people who liked what we were just talking about, let's meet at this general area for these four days, and then you know, see how it goes." But we got to be somewhere where you could
0: be high as fuck and not be in danger. That's right. why the desert's good because there's <laughs> nothing out there. You can't go wandering off in the woods and get eaten by a bear. Like if we did it in Alberta, we started losing hippies. Yeah. <laughs> They <laughs> started getting bared out there.
1: Yeah. Did you hear something? Dude, it's a drum circle. Don't worry about well, it. Well, there's some of these things, like I think one of them's called Envision, and it's in Costa Rica, in this beautiful fucking place. I mean, there's places around the world that we could pick that are that are cool with stuff. I mean, Costa Rica's cool with ayahuasca, with a Bogo with, they're not going to fuck with you too much. Traveling to other countries is fucking problematic. If <laughs> shit hits the fan, you got to get back to
0: the good old U.S. of A. with That's the quickness. True. That's true. America. As that plane is, fuck all that star-spangled banner shit, you'd be very happy to Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> once that plane was leaving, and you hear guns. Go off behind your plane in Costa Rica. <laughs> dot, 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 you realize you li- right as the insurgency takes over the new government. <laughs> Take care. Good luck with the ayahuasca ski retreat. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Miami for a weekend and for sure, drink on the beach. Uh, there's good and bad and all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think people are getting it together, though. I really do. I agree. I feel it. I might be delusional, but I think at least in the to ch- the, the people that I'm in contact with they're getting it and they they I feel like they're spreading. And when I say getting it, oh, you think you get it? What I mean by that is this idea of everybody trying to improve themselves and people just kind of being cool with each other. Yeah. And people being honest about all their attributes, the the positives, the negatives, all that stuff.
1: And working it out together, man. And part of getting it is knowing that you know nothing really, yeah. you know, it's just accepting the fact that we know Incrementally less nothing and sometimes maybe even more nothing because the expanse of what is possible to know Increases, you know, yeah. and just understanding that we're just trying to figure it out to the best fucking way that we can You know, that's it
0: when I was young and stupid. I was very uh, Insecure about things. I didn't know like I wanted to pretend I knew things that I didn't know I like, can yeah, I know that you know like I'd be the- like <laughs> Somebody bring up something I'd be like I know that but I, I felt like somehow or another there's some weakness in saying, like, what is that? You know? Yeah. Which is like, I love to do that now. Like, my favorite thing to do, like, I don't need to know. You can, first of all, now I'm smart enough, or at least I'm, I've accumulated enough information to know. You can't know everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's stu- that's why I love when I talk to someone like Brian Cox, who's this genius fucking scientist dude who works at the Large Hadron Collider and teaches fucking science to the whole world. If you ask him something he doesn't know, he goes, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, oh great, I love that. That's fucking giant. That's important Mm -hmm. because one of the things that plagues human beings in their development is this lack of admitting to failure, this lack of admitting to not knowing something, this 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 fear of your own ignorance and denial of it to the point where you're posturing in front of other people. That's uh,
1: all eliminated by pot cookies. Yeah, you can you can get rid of all that shit. Well, having something to defend because you're, again, it's this illusion of vulnerability. I need to defend these beliefs because if I don't have them, what am I? What am I without being right? You know, do I love myself if I'm not the smartest person in the room? Well, you know, you got to let all that shit go, Yeah. you man. know, and you got to build your foundation on the rocks instead of these these sandcastles, because that'll never fulfill you. If driving around in a certain car makes you feel good or if being right and belittling people on the Internet makes you feel good, it'll never actually work long term to make you feel good. You'll It'll be this hole that the more you throw in it, the bigger the hole gets. You know, you got to find your own internal ways to feel that good and to feel that way. Everything else is just. A sidetrack that's taking you backwards.
0: Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about where people just automatically look to get in disagreements with people if they feel that they're on a different team. You know people that are on a different idea. I mean people the Philadelphia Eagles used to beat the fuck out of people so bad in the, at their at their games like they broke some guy's leg in a fucking stairwell because he was a fan of the other team like like That that type I mean that's up that tribal issue You know what you're talking about like mm-hmm. preying on the worst aspects of tribalism That's uh that's something that needs to be addressed in schools Like, yeah. we, need to, like we need to explain like these are why you have these weird instincts to be yeah. in teams and to form gangs because he really used to have to do that to stay alive. <laughs> right. But, you know, now we don't. We don't have to do that shit anymore. No. All right, fuckers. We've reached the end. This is Three Hours of Love with Aubrey Marcus and Joe Rogan. Uh, we have nothing more to tell you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we have an On It podcast that you can listen to. Do you have your own podcast as well, do, too? Yeah. You have the Warrior Poet Project. Mm-hmm and you have the on it podcast which are, they're they're separate completely separate I
1: go a little deeper into the kind of spiritual psychedelic realms on my own the and then <laughs> and then on it is about just improving human performance human optimization that's it you fucks
0: um onit.com o n n i t go there enjoy read up and if you're in Austin Texas there is an actual on it gym now that's open and it is fucking spectacular state of the art super dope full cryotherapy equipment in the fucking house. Um, Tell people about that and how do they get to that. And I
1: I actually work there. It's so funny. People come and they're like, Aubrey, you're here. Well, no shit, I'm here. This is is where I work. (laughs) You know, so if if you go by, say hello, you know, I'll be there. I'll be happy to say
0: hello to you. Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Lots of funny guests coming up next week. And uh, until then, much love. Take care. Much love, everybody. Peace.